Welcome to the Batphone Podcast, where we talk about combat sports, comic books, gaming, pop culture, and anything else my friends want to talk about. Hosted by yours truly, Nick Batman Hughes. Picking up the Batphone this week, finally, the Spartan has come back to Adelaide as the new solid as a rock lightweight champion, the first fighter from South Australia or Australia to even step foot in Alaska, let it, let alone actually fight there and beat some dude to a pulp for the championship. Man, it's been a long time since I've seen you. A long time since I've got to catch up. Tony, the Spartan Caruso, how the fuck are you, man? I'm well, I'm very well. I'm, I was about to say I'm a lot warmer, but I'm not today. It's still cold out there. I'm freezing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's not as bad as Alaska, I'll tell you that much, you know what I mean? <laughs> but that, that was, a, that was a, a shock to me, even, you know. I mean, guys travel the world as much as I have. I got there, and I was just like, damn, this place is fucking cold. <laughs> yeah, man. Does it make the people more grisly, you reckon? I think so. Yeah. I, I think anyone who lives out there is weird. After going there and seeing the way it is in our life, yeah. I'm thinking, why would you live here? Yeah, like if you had a choice to leave, yeah. you like, could you know, heard of a plane? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a beautiful, in saying that, it's a very beautiful place. We'll yeah. say that. We're you got to say that now. We're, <laughs> now that you shit can. We were in Fairbanks, which is meant to be the sort of like not so nice place, and I thought it was still beautiful. Um, yeah. So I can only imagine, like, apparently Anchorage is, is meant to be amazing, and there's a few other spots around Alaska. It's, to be absolutely like picturesque yeah. in terms um, of the landscape yeah it'd be pretty yeah. scenic that's what i mean you know with yeah. the snow and, and the mountains and that's mm. it's i've got to say it's quite beautiful and then the woods and all that but to live out there survive out there i mean i, I don't know how you do it man you probably like, got to love it yeah you probably got yeah. it's got to be like generational that's something yeah. to say you're born into it yeah. because like to, to be honest like it is a very very hard like terrain to live in like mm. we went for uh a three kilometer walk one day, one half K up, one half K back, obviously to get a coffee. Uh, <laughs> you know, what that quality coffee? That should have been, and it was actually not bad. In um, Alaska, there was actually a decent coffee, but it was honestly the most torturous walk of my life. It was so cold. My, me and um, Annalisa, hands were so fucking, it was so much pain. You just, yeah, freezing, freezing. It was a, a horrible walk. I didn't do it again. But yeah, it was, it was a cool place to, to check out. You had sure. to translate that pain that you felt into a performance into yeah. the cage. It's just well, amazing. But before I get into that, dude, I've got to congratulate you. A, I've got to congratulate you on your championship. And B, I've got to congratulate yeah. you on your current engagement to your now fiance, Annalise. Like, no one saw that coming. Yeah. Like, fucking miles away. Uh, you know, it's that, that, well, you know, you're funny you say that, but she goes, I had no idea. You're going oh, to really? That she goes, I had no idea. I thought you were saying, you know, obviously, concentrate on the fight would, would have been the last thing you th- thought of. Um, but for me, it was a big like motivation, you know. What I mean? Well, firstly, thank you for all those um, nice words you said, and, 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 and um, but you know, what I mean, it was a big motivation for me because like I'm the sort of person I like to do things and when I do them, I do them in a big way. Um, and yeah, I wanted to get engaged at least for a while, move our life forward. But I was like, I've got to do this as a winner. I just don't. There's not going to sit in my stomach right if I don't do it off a win. <laughs> and I don't want to fight in three years, man. Like literally to the day it was. It was October thirtieth. 2020 is the last time I won a beer with Falang. It's the last time I had a victory in my life, and you know it was hurting me, and I don't need to get that back. Because um, you know, as, and you said it for a long time, that's one thing about me is I'm competitive as hell, man. And it was burning me up, and I just couldn't move forward in my life until I made that change. And yeah, well, and then I got the got the win, and then yeah, then now I can make a big change in my life. And Annalise was uh, the beneficiary of it all. Should oh, we that's say. Awesome, so, man. Yeah, good times ahead, man. I mean, you've sacrificed so much to make 
these things happen. People think that, you know, traveling internationally is like a glamorous lifestyle. But if you talk to yourself, if you talk to Brando about what you guys have had to endure and what you had to put yourself through. I mean, Brando doesn't talk about it to every single person, but, you know, he had to live in a room yeah. at CKB and yeah. earn his stripes. You yeah, know what I mean? It's, you know? it's just fucking, it's one of those things like he had to battle illness. He had to battle injury. He mm. had to prove himself mm. in the training room. He made himself into a pivotal part of that mm. training room. And now he's gaining opportunities. Obviously people are pulling out on him left, right and center. Yeah, yeah. It's like, they say yeah to the fight and then they go watch a few tapes and they're like, oh, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. I think that's what it is with him. And I told him, I was like, you know, I, I don't, I think you should make all your social medias private. I think you should just stop posting stuff. because, <laughs> And, you know, look, whether that's the reason why or not, but I think it's worth a chance because yeah. the way things unfortunately are panning out for you, we need to do something here because yeah. no one will want to fight him. And I, look, I can't blame him. I wouldn't get in there with him either. Um, but it's sad for him because now, yeah. you know, it could be a potential of a, you know, a big talent, unable to, you know, to show his best things. I'm you know? sure he will. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, he'll no, be. he will. And it's just, we yeah. feel for yeah, him because it. we see how yeah, much we're riding we're every bump with yeah. him, you know what I mean? And, and the big thing that I said to him, because me and him, we, we speak quite often on the phone, he calls me quite a bit. Um, and I said to him, I said, bro, all you got to do is stay on the grind. I said, but the thing with the fight game is, and also with life, is, you know, it's all, nothing's happening till it's happening. Mm. So I said, make sure you're always fit, you're always ready to go, because when that call comes, mm. you don't want to say, um, you know what I mean? Yeah. You want to answer that phone and you want to, you know, accept that, because then, then, you know, you're ready to rock and roll. Yeah. So, And that's that sacrifice that we that we touched on. And I think my other point to that was, Annalise has also had to sacrifice yeah. a lot. Yeah. I mean, she's given up a lot in terms of her home and family, yeah, family just to be stuff, with you yes. and to support you, which is not an easy task. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I think it gets touched on a little bit. People talk about, you know, the spouse or the wife or the girlfriend of these fighters, yeah. but they see every, every yeah. second of every day, every little yeah. pain, every little yeah. hurdle, everything you go through and they feel it with you. And it can be a difficult life for them at times, but that's like the true extent of love and support mm-hmm. that people extend to you. And when someone goes through that with you, you know, you, you exactly you know and and she one of my biggest things in life is is it's one thing to talk something but it's another thing to do a thing and that's the thing she's been you know like to me like wife material for at least you know at least at least a good last year or two you know what i mean and <laughs> what about before that well before, well before that was like the pre-trial you know what i mean you can't give it when you get married after a year hey some do but, you know i needed that i need that little couple of years to prove that she's a good girlfriend and she went on to be you know to show that she can be a good wife and especially this last year or so and the last three years yeah. in general they're being tough you know I don't know where I'm going, yeah. you know, with my career and stuff, and she's always by my side. Yeah. And to be honest with you, man, she's one of the biggest reasons why I still fight. No, I'm not being the cliche, because but she's the one that always says, especially after you know, like my last, you know, like the last couple of years, said to me, Tony, I still want you to fight because I know you got so much That's more amazing. to give. That's she's amazing. always telling me, you know, I believe in you. I think you can you can go all the way. You can make it to the big leagues again. And she's always believed in me. So she's the one that always is pushing me to fight more. Mm-hmm. So. I was like, well, if she loves me and believes in me. I'm like, well, that's the only person I've got to really make happy now. And, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad that she does push me in that direction. And yeah, now we're back to winning ways. And yeah. Now. Well, dude, I shared a hotel room with you. And I can tell you, <laughs> you're already carrying on like fucking yeah, exactly. anyway. So. Uh, uh, to me, it was weird because she was actually said it to me yesterday. She's like, oh, you know, we're going to get um, we're getting married now. Isn't that weird? And I was like, to be honest, at least I, I don't feel any different. Exactly. Yeah, like, the thing is, there's a ring on your finger now. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to organize a wedding. But other than that, it's like, I, know, I feel like me and her, 
Yeah, well, as soon as we met her, it was just like, yeah, she's like mine. She's, I always say she's my Robin to Batman. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a weird analogy. And I think of you, I know, but I can't think of any female, male, cool sort of oh, we'll dynamic. Well, I call her my towers to my Sonic. Yeah, that's okay, that's cool. Are you can own Banjo to my Kazooie. Oh my God, <laughs> I'd want you to be Banjo. <laughs> yeah, I, never, I can never remember which one it was. Dude, with Banjo's the bear. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sick fucking game. I mean, I watched a lot of the game, but I never played because Sav would never. Sav would never play. But in saying that, he was also very good at it, and I enjoyed watching him play. See, I was terrible at the game. Dude, that fucking game is super underrated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to to smash. I used to like start a new game all the time and try and do everything as fast as I could. Well, Annalise's brother, he tells me that he still plays. Um, what's it called? Uh, Metal Gear Solid. Oh my god! And he played, and he can beat it within like I don't know. He's telling me that they like he can beat it in like forty-five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, because he's just speed running the he game. He does it that much. I'm like, damn, bro, you still play that game that yeah. often? Yeah, I'm not a gamer. I'm not a big gamer. <laughs> but Annalise also, I mean, in terms of her opportunities and things like that, she is a very talented singer as well. Well, well not a lot of people know that. Yeah, I can't, I can't really put too much out there. Yeah, but there's some big things Brilliant. happening in her Brilliant. life with um, some singing. That's why we're back in Australia now with her. She's got a great opportunity coming up. Man, that's what I wanted to I'll hear. I'll tell you off the podcast. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. you guys got to tune into the next episode <laughs> too, all right? But yeah, you know what I mean? So she's got some really big opportunities coming her way. And, you know, a big thing that, you know, I wanted to do with her is just like she done with me. She made me, you know, she gets me to believe in myself mm-hmm. and I'll make sure that she believes in herself. So when we were in America, she was singing over there. She sung at a few um, restaurants and that. And, yeah, she started getting that belief in, in her again about she can be a singer. Yeah. She can make it. Because, I mean, I think as an artist, and, and I think of myself even as an artist, you as a, we're all artists, you know, when you do a passion that you love, if you love doing it and you just got to grind and grind and just wait for your turn and when that call comes, it's easy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I said to keep on singing, keep on loving it. Don't always think of money as doing good. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're earning just enough to get by, at least you're doing your passion. So she's still singing and yeah, now a big opportunity's coming. Oh, if you're doing what you are passionate about and yeah. you're making enough money to get by, yeah. that is success. That's, 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 all that, that's right. And I think a lot of people, it's even funny with me, I find this very weird um, in my sport, you know, how many people come up to me after a fight and will say to me, how much money did you earn? Mm. I, I just, I find that very strange because for starters, I think it's rude to ask. Yeah, why would they have that, a vested interest? Yeah, but, that, but you don't ask anyone <laughs> yeah, that wage. But then, but then I flip Especially it. not a walk. But I flip, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you fuck off with your tax man. Get the fuck out of here. What are you wearing a white? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but you know, then I actually, I yeah. asked what I do when they ask me, I straight away ask them back. I say, well, how much money do you earn? Mm. And they go, I say, see, it's an awkward question, isn't it? But my point being there is that I think a lot of people in this generation equivalent success with money. So if you're making a lot of money doing fans only, well, good. That's people think that's a good thing. It's like, well, the question is, are you earning like a wage and are you providing this to the world or something good? Yeah, is is what I'd rather. Do. Oh, dude, I yeah. always talk about contribution because yeah. you think of it like this. I'm a I'm a coach. I'm now back competing and I'm being an athlete. So people ask me why. What are you trying to achieve with it? I'm trying to contribute something. Yeah. Like, and I've had opportunities to coach at other places Mm -hmm. i've been asked to move here travel there at various times throughout my life Mm -hmm. Uh, and i feel that with adelaide if someone doesn't stay 
yeah. and build something, yeah. then we're always going to lose talent. Agreed. Right? And Agreed. eventually you're going to come mm-hmm. back and you're going to set up Spartan HQ, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And it's just going to be massive, yeah. but that'll be your next opportunity mm-hmm. to contribute to like the MMA community. And, right? and that's exactly the, I guess, the, the line eventually I know I will take one day is because mm-hmm. I know how much this sport's given to me. And there will be a point that then when I have to say, well, how much do I give back mm-hmm. to this sport now? Because this, this sport gave me a life. It gave me friends. It gave me mentors. Mm-hmm. It gave me people like yourself and many other great people I've met throughout my years. Um, you know, so eventually there will be a point where, but right now I stay as a student, but there will be a point where I will say, now it's yeah. my turn to now give back to, I think to martial arts. what you'll arts. do is you'll likely look at it objectively and be like, well, how can I best contribute? Mm-hmm. Like the reason I'm doing all of my competing right now is I want to translate the best possible lessons to the mm-hmm. next generation mm-hmm. who are students at my academy mm-hmm. about the realities of competing, like grappling in the modern era. Because back yeah. six or seven years ago, there was, you know, it was a very different competitive yeah. scene. You know, there's maybe three or four mats at a nationals. Panpacks was still pretty big, but mm-hmm. like it was very niche. Now you've flash forward a bit after Kit Dale, after Lachlan Giles, after Craig mm-hmm. Jones, after Gordon Ryan and the massive boom of mm-hmm. like professional no-gi grappling as well and the whole mm-hmm. metamorphosis of the scene. Now competing, what you need to know to be a successful white belt is very, very yes. different. Agreed. To what you needed to Agreed. know six or seven years yeah. ago. You could do a Kimura up and over sweep from guard six years ago and be fucking mint. Yeah, I ran with the same move for like three years. <laughs> when Pete showed me this like uh, neck choke, man, I've done that for like three years Dude, straight. No brilliant. one could work it out. But now you need to know sort of comprehensive leg entanglements. You need to have a standing grappling game, mm. good pinning passing, good flanking passing, good ability to wrestle up and scramble mm. up and sweep from the bottom. Like, yeah. And that's just... Base level. And, and I'm sure you'd agree with this is that's so good for martial arts yeah, that now that is the new standard yeah. and hopefully we'll just keep on growing yeah. and growing and yeah the standard of martial arts will keep on growing because yeah. you know we're just going to get more and more better competitors out and of I it. feel like if we all do that if we all do grow then the way that we can contribute back to the scene can be a little bit more direct mm-hmm. and a little bit more targeted like yeah. for yourself it's like well are you the best coach? Are you going to put X amount of hours into being the best coach? You probably will, right? But if you set up a, uh, if you set up like to the best of your ability, yeah, yeah. if you set up a facility that you can bring in the best coaches, then you can sort of afford these guys the perspective that you've had mm-hmm. about what it actually takes to do the things that they're saying that yeah. they want to do, and you know exactly what it takes, and you'll be able to translate mm-hmm. to them. Because that's the biggest thing that I've found being overseas and whatnot is, is, is legitimate coaching, legitimate skills. Mm. I think that's the biggest thing for um, young and up-and-coming competitors is, you know, you which and it makes it really hard because when, you, when you're fresh, you're fresh, you don't know nothing. Yeah. So it's hard to identify who's a real coach and who isn't. And that's one thing I think with your competing, I mean, you already were legit. I mean, you ask anyone who knows martial arts in this Adelaide scene, your name, you know, they're going to put credit on it. But I think with what you're doing now is you're just, you know, consolidating it over and by competing and just, yeah, just keep on hammering that now that, yeah, man, I'm the guy. I am the guy. I mean, look at him, but even a guy like Leo, he's still getting in there and he's still competing and who's one of the best guys in Adelaide? We know I'm Leo. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, you don't have to compete as a coach, you know, but I think for you, uh, well, that's what, like I said all the way back at the start is actions always speak louder than yeah. words and not only do you preach, you know, but also you go out there and show, hey, I'm going out there doing step and that's if we, If you have the opportunity to do it, then you probably should do it. Like if yeah. you're not completely fucking broken. Yeah. Like if you don't have yeah. a catastrophic that's right. everyone's, neck injury yeah, that's right. Everyone's like situation is different, yeah. home life, whatever yeah. it is. But if you have, like you said, the opportunity to do so and compete, you know, why would you not, you know, spread that message to now your uh, students and athletes yeah. say, hey guys, if you can compete, like realistically, 
that's why we're here, right? Yeah. You're not here to get a bit of a workout, are you? Because if you are, once again, that's fine. But really, guys, do you not want to be a competitive martial artist? Mm-hmm. That's really the essence of what I, I personally, like me, if I were to run a gym like you were saying before, that's the reason why I don't run a gym because I would make sure that everybody has to be super competitive. <laughs> but it is, but that's how I would want to run my gym. I wouldn't want to run a gym where I've got to be nice to some people because they're the nine to five. It's like, nah, mate. But that's why I love But that's it, man. That's it. Yeah. It's like, if you had the monetary backing, like if yeah, it, you could do it like that, that's and then you'd have to clear. draw in like a core unit of yes. students yes. and coaches but I mean, the fundamental kids and shit like that—they essentially they've always looked at it as juniors and fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Pay the bills of the academy that the professionals can. Yeah. Fight. But I think if you're an MMA coach, you probably shouldn't be competing. Yeah. Like if you're a real coach, you probably shouldn't compete. Yeah. You should probably focus in on the athletes in the best way that you possibly can, and also again draw in a network of yeah. coaches who are specialists, grappling coaches, wrestling coaches, uh, strikers, MMA coaches, mm-hmm. and not just rely on. Like the other pros yeah. who are in there, like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna, you, okay, you, you five, you've had fights, you coach yeah. this session, you coach this session. That's been an archetype or a blueprint for a while, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's the best way to do things. And again, if you have a chance to do it differently, if you can modify those practices and make them better, mm-hmm. then you should. But yeah. if you don't, then you, you kind of can't. Because I, I, I think with being a coach and being a shoot like an athlete is, is both full time. Mm. And you really, it's that's why personally, me, I've always, Try to stay as a student. Mm. You know, I very, very, ever rarely were ever going to a club, even in Adelaide, and, mm-hmm. and teach a move. It's not because I don't want to teach people, but I, you know, I never ask, oh, can I show something? If you ask me, I'll step up and I'll show you whatever you need. But as me, I try and keep myself mentally as a student. You know, yeah. so when I come into, you know, even train with you, like, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, hey, we've been doing, how long have you been doing, you know, the sport now? Oh, man, since I was 12. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, relatively around similar times. Mm. But when I come in here, you're, you're my, the coach. I don't even, like, like, you know what I mean? There's no, oh, we're equal. No, if Nick tells me to fucking do 10 push-ups and I'm late, well, guess what? I'm doing 10 push-ups. Well, that's a you know trust what I mean? thing. You know yeah. What I mean? Like, you yeah. trust that yes. I actually want to help you yeah. and make you better. Yes. And be also trust that I have the skills to help you do that. Yes. But from, to afford you some perspective, I think when you're like, when you are in the zone, like when you're in that flow state and when you're with all of the students, you're at a level where like uh, it's not punishing you so you can't talk at all, mm-hmm. right? But it's a hard session and we're doing techniques. Maybe you're working with Taylor. Maybe you're working with some of the higher level guys. <clears throat> maybe you're working with myself. Then you, your mind is already in that place where you're breaking things down mm-hmm. objectively, like you're problem solving, but you're problem solving with your body. Mm-hmm. So if Taylor asks, oh, what did this, what happened here, what happened here? You can actually tell him mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. in those moments, just yeah. after you've been doing things when you're in the flow. Then let's say if he pulled you aside before class, and yeah. he's like, hey, I'm having a problem with this specific yeah. issue. You'd be like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. But then if it actually yeah. happened and you're already in that state, you'd be like, oh yeah, this is what's happening. It's funny you say that because I've never really seen it from that point of view, but it's exactly because yeah. if someone asked me right then and there, what'd you do there? And I'm like, hey, this, this, and this. Mm. If you're walking and you're like, hey man, I'm having a problem here and you show me, I'll be like, I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? I get confused, you know, but it's funny you say that because I feel like I'm very much, very yeah, much like Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and look, this is part of coaching as well. Yeah. You've got to identify how people learn and how people best come mm-hmm. Like, if I see you having that interaction with Taylor as an example, right? Who, you'd, I, it'd be the worst thing for me to do to go ahead and interject myself yeah. into that scenario. Mm-hmm. You helping him with a technique, even if I disagreed mm-hmm. with it, which I probably won't, I would still let it happen. 
mm-hmm. because that breeds trust and camaraderie mm-hmm. within the training mm-hmm. group as well. Yeah, like yeah. everyone starts to have a vested interest in each other's growth. And that's perfect. Yeah. That's absolutely perfect. You know what? It's, yeah, it's, it's a good way to put it. I like it. I think from a grappling perspective though, like the best way that I can make sure uh, my technique is relevant is to compete. And yeah. if it's not, if I'm taking losses and all that kind of stuff, then I have a look at the techniques and why. But also it helps you with that idea of the mentality of competition yeah. and the reality of competition. Like if yeah. you've got a student who's a, you know, whether it's a grappling student or not, or an MMA guy, who knows? And you see the beast that they are in the gym, right? And then when they go out there, they just can't connect competitively mm. on the techniques and the, like, the things that they would usually do on the mats, the things that they would usually do in the cage when they're sparring. They just don't do it when they're competing. If you've never been in that situation, you can't really comprehend why. Yeah. Like, what is that disconnect? How is the adrenaline affecting them? Mm-hmm. How can we treat this person before the com- the competition to help them like acclimate a little yeah, bit better? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think with grappling, it's a really really simple one. The more competitions you do, the yeah. more times you step out onto that mat, the more comfortable you'll be. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just you know, without trying to blow too much smoke up your ass, I think you're well versed in that area already and that's why I respect you as a, as a coach and as a, as a person because realistically you don't need to keep on competing you already know all those things you've competed a long long you've had a lot of competition MMA fights to re- before you returned I'm saying yeah. so that's why I respect you because you really don't have to you're one of those guys that doesn't really have to go yeah. out there and do it again the fact that you're still going out there doing it is it, yeah, is it well, massive, as I said, I want to know what it's like, like now. Yeah. And yeah. also, as I said before, the, the scene has changed and it's yeah. brought about a whole host of really good what practitioners. Do you, what do you feel the, different, the big deal? Because I've competed in Jiu-Jitsu yeah. in a long, long time. I think it's the base level of yes. skill mm-hmm. and like intensity in competition. Like Because people who are at the elite of this country are also at the elite of the world. Yeah. Like people aren't just making it to ADCC. Yeah. They're getting silvers and, mm-hmm. and golds and winning ADCC. Craig's really highlighted mm-hmm. the talent pool that ex- exists within Australia. Mm-hmm. And therefore that talent pool has really been encouraged and supported through growth. Yeah. So you're, you're seeing a lot of people say from like Sydney West or, um, Sydney Wrestling Academy, Absolute, obviously, is another one. There's always been, like, the Gracie Baja contingent. There's people in Perth. There's people in uh, Sydney, New, like, um, Melbourne, Brisbane, like, Bob Frias, Ben Hodgkinson, all guys who have, like, won ADCC trials before. Mm-hmm. This is a known entity. Yeah, yeah. So they've grown within the sport, mm-hmm. and they've made this sport, like, a really high level. So your basic, like, purple belt could challenge any black belt yeah. and do really well, yeah. especially if it's just no gi. Yeah. And also the specialist route has really that, helped in, it as well. In Australia, we've got good grappling. We do, man. We really man. do. There's no a lot of guys yeah. out there. That lot of travelling over the world, obviously, with training and whatnot. And, yeah, I've got to say, one thing I'm always very impressed with when I come back to Australia mm-hmm. is our level of jiu-jitsu, I think. Yeah, jiu-jitsu yeah. specifically, I think, yeah. we're quite good. I mean... When you compartmentalize wrestling for wrestling's sake, yeah. then because we don't have it in our schools, yes. we're never going to be that good. Agreed. But in terms of like standing grappling, like the overall yeah. knowledge of standing yeah. grappling, we're getting much, yeah. much better. You much better. Um, and I think, yeah, for me, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to step back into black belt. Who are the guys out there right now who are the best in mm-hmm. the country? Well, I stand in a position to sign up for a competition and face those guys because mm-hmm. I'm a quote unquote black yeah. belt, right? Yeah. And so are they. 
So I was like, okay, well, I'll have matches with Daniel Schwartz. I'll have matches with Bob Frias. I'll have matches with Jez Smith. I'm trying to get matches. I got ended up getting to have matches with George Sotoropoulos. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. messaging you and oh, being wow. like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I got to actually, A, I got to meet George Sotoropoulos. Yeah. And then I got to have matches with these guys. Mm-hmm. And then, like, internationals, like, Shoya Ishigura and stuff like that. So what I got to experience was, A, the opportunity to face the highest level people. Mm-hmm. And then, B, the benefit yeah. of now having stepped onto the mats and experiencing their strategy, mm-hmm. experiencing their intensity, yeah. their pacing, their objectives, their intention. And having matches with Bob Frias, like the way I look at it is like, he's a guy, I mean, he's won ADCC trials before. He's represented Australia at ADCC mm-hmm. in the most recent one. He'll be going back and trying to win trials again this Saturday. And he's fought on every super fight show. He's been, he's a Brazilian guy who's been fighting in Brazilian nationals for since he was a kid, it's like a kid who grew up playing soccer. Yeah, yeah. And now they just know every yeah, position. Yeah, yeah. They know how to find the net. They know where to be. Right? Yeah. That's how he is on the jiu-jitsu mat. Yeah, yeah. He's so well-versed in every rule set. He mm-hmm. understands every position so well and can play the game by inches. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to do a super flashy thing. He just beat you via the rule set. And that's kind of like what people do as well. And if you don't, if you think that every single person you're going to go in there with, you're going to have a knockdown drag out brawl. It's not going to be like that every time. It's a 10 minute black belt match. And they're cagey as fuck. They know how to play it. That's it. But you know, one thing just quickly I want to say, what you're saying, and I can tell by you the way you're saying it is, and that was a big thing I focused on in this camp was like, where I think a lot of guys, they dread the challenge. Mm. where you should be excited for the challenge yeah, yeah. that's what I'm hearing out of you is like you know you've got the chance to get on the yeah. match with George Sotopoulos the other guys that you name these big name guys you know you're, you were genuinely excited to, mm. to, to share the map with them where I think a lot of people in, in, in you know I mean competition they sort of fear the hardest of, of competition mm. and that was one big thing in this camp I said to myself right at the start of it I said every day and everything we do, whether it's the morning ice baths that me and Christos were doing, to the hardest sparring sessions, you know, down yeah. at Kilcliffe, it was like, don't think of, oh, fuck, why am I sparring? Oh, fuck, I'm going to get in the ice bath. <laughs> be excited for it. Yeah. Be excited for the challenge. Be excited for the weight cut. Be excited to sit in the sauna for an hour and sweat. Because you do that every other fucking day. So don't see it as, oh, man, I've got to cut this weight. Be as, oh, okay, now today I've got a good reason to go in the sauna. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when you can sort of you know, alter your mindset like that, it fucking makes a huge difference. Yeah, really, mindset really is a big deal. I think yeah. sometimes, I think what happens, I've, I've talked about this recently, is like little bubble worlds pop up. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially like in South Australia, I'm not going to give shit to like everyone in South Australia. But this, because this happens in every state. Like when I travel and I, I talk to people about these this gym, that gym, whatever, little bubble worlds pop mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and you sort of like have a really closed in mentality. Like yeah. The people in your gym are the only people that exist and you're very self-referential. Mm-hmm. And then you're worried about competing because you don't want to lose to that guy from that gym yeah, yeah. with that name because yeah. then it's going to make you look bad. And if you're caught up on that shit, yeah. fucking... You're just cutting yourself yeah. off from every opportunity you could have had because you might go in. It's like, get it out of the way. Go in, lose to that guy, yeah. and then on that night, enter into the next competition yeah, that you're yeah, going to do. Because yeah. that's how you're going to get past yeah. it. Because guess what's going to happen? You're going to face him again. Yeah. Again and again and again and again and again. You're going to have different results every single time, but you're going to get better as a practitioner, and that should have been your goal in the yeah, first place. And that, that was another big thing with my mindset of reason, too, is I heard Henry Hoof. He said it to me. He said, you know, fighters, well, he said it on a podcast, so fighters fight. You know what I mean? To fight is fine. That's a big thing. Like, if you see yourself as a competitor or as a competitive martial artist 
and you're not competing on Sorry to tell you're not a competitive martial artist then. A competitive martial artist competes and you shouldn't shy away from any challenge. You try and take on the biggest of challenges that you can handle. Yeah. Don't go in there and be like, I'm a white, but I want to fight the best black. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. You know, work your way through the... Yeah. It's like me. I, I want to be signed to the biggest leagues of them all, whether that be the UFC or the PFL. But at the same time, I'm willing to wait and, and wait until they call me for the right reason. Mm. I don't want to get on there and, and stand in front of millions of people just because I was, you know, I had a, had a big Facebook following or something. No, and get my ass kicked. I want to go in there and I want to compete. And that was even when I got signed to one SC. That was my biggest goal was to not just get onto one SC, but to win a fight for one yeah. SC. Yeah. You know, so even when I got signed, a lot of people said congratulations. I said, look, there's nothing to be congratulating me yet. I said, let's get a win and then we'll talk about yeah. congratulations. No, I really admire that mentality because for a long time, I sort of saw that as the problem with in Australian mm-hmm. MMA because we didn't have a lot of people quote unquote in the UFC and mm-hmm. on those major shows it was like there was a mentality where we just had to make it there yeah, yeah. we just had to get there that's right do yeah. whatever you had to oh we got signed on a yeah. two fight contract we've made it yeah, yeah. we got there the point is not to make it there the point is to be successful when you are there yeah. and that's why I feel like I really have a lot of respect for guys like Jake Matthews mm-hmm. and Jimmy Cruden obviously Rob Whitaker mm-hmm. and, and those people who viewed it that way yeah, yeah. like well I'm not just going to be here um, to make up numbers for the Australian public yeah. and say oh an- another Aussie got on I'm going to mm. do really well here mm-hmm. for the betterment of my people my career my family our community like and Volkanovsky is like a shining example of everything that we've been talking about sort yeah. of encapsulated into one guy yeah, yeah. like fight is fight yeah. he wants oh, to yes. fight and not just to fight but to fight the best in the Anyone, world because he way. believes he is the best in the world mm-hmm. and he is training to reflect that goal and training to reflect that mentality. And you can't, no one can take anything away from him yeah. ever yeah. for his entire career because he's achieved those things mm. that he set out to achieve. Yeah. He's fucking, he's the man. Yeah, he is, man. He really is. And a guy like that is, is a massive inspiration to, I'm sure, millions and millions around the world. But, you know, especially to, you know, myself, I'll say, you know, massive, massive inspiration. I see a guy like him, I think, well, damn hell, if he can make it, why can't anyone? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he has that same mentality that a lot of people probably says to him, like, look, man, I'm just, you know, I'm just a normal guy, I made it, so why can't you, you know what I mean? So, got Alex Volkanovski in it, you know, like Rob Whitaker as well. I mean, all the all the guys up there in the top, top flight. But especially those two, man, it, it inspires you to you know, do great things just like them, you know? Nah, there's some mad dogs coming up, man. Like, yeah. Do you know Steve Ursegg? Yes, he fought the other day. He's, he's very good, man. He he cleaned out every single division yeah. in Australia, mm-hmm. fighting in Eternal, and was the perennial like flyweight, and also at one point the bantamweight champion. Mm-hmm. And his skill set, like the well, watching fought, it grow, he took on a number fourteen. Or yeah, something. and he's he exactly what I'm yeah. talking about. He is not there. He's, he didn't just want to make it mm-hmm. to the UFC. He's like, I want the best. Another good one is also that Jack Della. Yeah, that's very a very time, serious man. competitor, and he's not there to make up numbers. Yeah. He's not there to get a photo. He's there to win fights. Yeah. I was lucky enough to um, we're in the same uh, change room for when they fought when he fought Kevin Holland. Yeah, Christos Yagos. I was cornering my mate Christos. And we're in the same change. It was really cool. I got the cat out Ben Vico. I have not seen him in, in so many years. And it was so cool to actually, you know, see him. Well, here we are standing in Las Vegas, you know, talking. And, you know, Jack's that guy. And I've got to say, he's a, you know, he's another inspiration. Another great guy to watch. Um, you know, because, you know, he's not there for the photos yeah. and for the publicity. He's there to win a fight. And it speaks and, yeah. volumes to the whole scrappy MMA yeah. crew as well. Mm-hmm. And we know what... Ben Vickers and Cam uh, O'Neill from Eternal actually set out mm-hmm. to do it. And obviously Cam's daughter uh, is doing amazingly yes, well, yeah, Casey. Yeah. Um, but they started as sort of like a humble brand 
and they are were the first to sort of travel from mm-hmm. state to state. And that's very difficult to do because you've got to work with uh, every single commission in the state. You've got to work with different gyms from different clubs, maybe promoters who don't necessarily want you, don't feel like there's enough fighters to go around, that kind of thing. Um, but they made it happen. They made themselves into a national brand yeah, exactly. and they made themselves into a really relevant national brand. Mm-hmm. So like if you've got a lightweight title fight that's going on in Australia mm-hmm. uh, and it's the eternal lightweight championship, you know that it's likely the best two lightweights yeah. in Australia. Agreed. Uh, and every weight class yeah. down the mm-hmm. line. So that garnered the attention of the UFC. Mm-hmm. They got onto UFC Fight Pass. Like what Ben and Cam did was legitimize Australian MMA yeah. to the point where whomever is the champion of this cl- clear organization, that is the forefront, the forerunner for the next step up yeah, into yeah. the UFC, which I is agree. a pretty impressive thing to do. Uh, and I, even I think that amongst the, um, you know, so sort of the MMA community, everyone sort of sees internal as, you know, definitely the, the marquee sort of, mm. um, uh, you know, show of, of Australia, I believe. And yeah. it does, it shows in their guys, you know, I mean, who they're bringing up. And like you said, the names we just said, Jack and also Steve, you know, both guys who've went into the UFC off eternal and, and they're not just there, they're, they're, they're doing really, really well, beating some very, very high level guys, mm-hmm. which shows that, you know, if you're able to compete on eternal, then that reflects that you probably can compete with the world scale, which yeah. is, you know, it's a good thing. Good and that's platform. something we've always sort of lacked is like yeah. the proof yeah. of legitimacy but now we have that yeah the big thing is too I think as well with what you're saying was like because a lot of guys you, when you were coming off the Australian scene you went into the world scene mm. and there was a massive gap yeah. I think eternal and also just in general MMA judicial, like you said before the white belts are far better we're slowly slowly making that gap smaller and yeah. smaller so when you do finally get your chance to step out in the world scene mm. it's not much of a difference do you yeah. know what I mean the guys yeah there might be a super you know you know, really good in say a wrestling area like you felt pretty much yeah. the standards that need to be felt. I think yeah. something cool that's happening is if you, if I've always viewed this as Australian fighters, a sort of uh, they have their Australian style, and what that style is to me is a really well-rounded style. Yeah. You've got guys who've got good offensive and defensive wrestling, but don't need to solely use one or the mm-hmm. other. You've got guys who are really good on the ground offensively and mm-hmm. defensively, but again, don't have to only win fights in that route. And you've got really slick, sophisticated strikers as well, all in one package. Yeah. Jack, Jake Matthews fits the bill. Jimmy Creek fits the bill. Della fits the bill. Ursig, you. Mm-hmm. Like, it. this sort of like... And Volkanovski's yeah. like the pinnacle of that. Yeah such well-rounded fighters who are really hard-nosed competitors. I love the fact that that's become like the Australian brand. It it is in a way, isn't it? It's funny you say that because Brazilians are always known for their jiu-jitsu. You know, Americans are going to be known for their wrestling and obviously a lot of other things as well. Um, You know, the Russians and they're always going to, you know, hard-nosed wrestlers. But Australians were just, I guess, always well-rounded fighters um, with big gas tanks and just a lot of heart. Yeah. You know, that's most... I find that with most... Any good competitive Australian, you know, any sports team, I feel like that's our biggest thing is we're competitive. Because we, I think we always come up feeling as the underdogs. Yeah. And we sort of are, you know. Who's going to back an Australian against a Russian or yeah. an American or a Brazilian? Mm-hmm. Of course we're going to be looked at as the underdogs. Look at Volkanovski all the time. But what do they do? They guard, they fight hard. And yeah, they put it in your face, you know what I mean? And that is the essence of martial arts. Skills are great, but mate, if you've got a big heart to go with it, Fuck, man. So it's always going to be a fun day at the office. Volk's first fight against Islam. Yeah. Yeah. That, that made that... <laughs> just like yeah. him yeah. having his back taken and punching the I shit know, out of him. Like, oh, look, Islam is the best. Yeah. Like, 
Heaps. Lightweight, yes. Lightweight, like yes. Him. Okay, lightweight, yes. He's, really, he's the best lightweight yeah, on I've got, at the moment, if he holds the belt. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Um, and I don't, yeah. I don't say that with sadness. Yeah. Like, if you watch his skill, he's still underrated yeah. he's in his skills. He's a great fighter, like, mate. He's, he's a great striker. Yeah, great. You know what I mean? But saying like, that, that lightweight division in, in, in hold is just amazing. And that's yeah. why he should have the respect more so that he mm. should, that he needs because not only does he hold the belt, but he holds the belt, I think, in arguably the best division in the world. Well, just via populace, there's yeah. more people who yeah. are that weight in the yeah. world. Like, there's but, not that many heavyweights in the world, and so yeah. a subset of them are going to yeah. choose MMA and get good enough to be in the UFC. But I'm just talking about even the talent in itself, you yeah. know, in that lower division, you've got you know, guys like Chandler... You got um, what's his name, Du Bronx there. Um, yeah, Oliveira, Oliveira. You got you got Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, know, Dustin Poirier. You know, I mean, guys that you didn't tell us you even have to think of these names, and they sort of snap to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, damn. So just to be, you know, the, the champion of that division alone, I think speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and also as a like, if you look at the what's the division below that, where Volkanovski, that's Feather. Yes, yeah, so he's sort of like he's trying to look for a decent mm-hmm. opponent to fight with Vol- where um. Makachev, he's got a list of guys yeah. for days, you know. But he think. likes fighting Volk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he of likes course, fighting Volk because he's like, oh, yeah, this is going to do wonders yeah, yeah. for Michael. Yeah. Yeah. I hated the last fight. It hurt me the last yeah. fight. Because, you know, especially the fans aren't going to see it for what it really was, mm. you know. People, oh, yeah, but what about the last one? He didn't do so well. It's like, well, he took yeah. it on 11th day notice. He flew, you know what I mean? Like, Just stand yeah. here, Cam, and I'll kick you. Yeah. <laughs> Just see it broke if you my heart to see it happen that way. Um, I hope they give him another chance at it. Because I think he deserves another chance, you know. I think, of course, to the fans, it might not make sense. But I think from every other, like, real martial artist or a real fan knows that he deserves another chance. And he didn't say shit. Yeah. He didn't make yeah. any excuses. Nah. The guy took it on 12 days notice yeah. or something crazy like that. He had to drop an amazing amount. It was like a kilo a day off of the couch, yeah, which is I insane. Know, it's it's going to compromise yeah. you. And then I heard that the one thing I'm like, oh no, this is bad, is Islam got like 30 hours or so to rehydrate. He had like a, a prolonged period of rehydration time after the weigh-in that wouldn't usually be the case because of time zoning. And I'm like, uh, yeah. you can look into that. I could be yeah. talking shit. I love not having I've Google. If, I've heard some, um, yeah. some, yeah, some, some dicey things. But I heard that. A bit. Whether it was Even true the last fight in Australia, they reckon that he was on the IV. Yeah, and they're allowed to do that. Yeah, and they're allowed to do that and stuff. But it, I mean, just in, in the fact that Volkanovski flew half around the world to his backyard, Dude. you know what I mean, to fight him. In his, like, it was different if it was in America, neutral ground, but he flew to like where they love him. They love uh, Makachev. And he went in there as the enemy, and he didn't even care, you know, 11 yeah. days notice. And going up weight division, like... So if know, someone does that, surely you've got to give them something back. Yeah, I agree, I agree. I'm not, I know they would have gave them a lot of money for that, so that would have been the first thing. Yeah. And that's probably what they're going to say. We gave you something already. <laughs> sort of paycheck. But yeah, as from a martial artist point of view, and I'm sure you'd agree, no, he definitely deserves yeah. it. Let chance. him go off and have his fight with Ilya Tapuria, whatever happens. Yeah. Even if he loses that Who do you think fight, wins that? I think Volkanovski wins that. You know what, man? I, I, I agree with you, but at the same time, that Tapuria is fucking good, man. He, if there's anyone who could rattle the cage, I think it's him. But hey, in saying that, it's not anyone. This is Alex Volkanovski. The great. Just, Alex, every the time great. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know yeah. if he's got this one. Yeah. He just does what he does. It, it just does it so easy, too. Yeah. You know, especially after that first market chair fight, you just looked at him and thought, wow, who the yeah. fuck are you? But let's yeah. say he doesn't do so well in this fight and he still wants to fight, so he chooses to go into the lightweight division legitimately. Mm. Not just to step up, oh, I'm going to try and face the champion, be a double champion. Mm. He's going to try to fight in the lightweight division and he has matches with people 
like Chandler, like mm. Gaethje, like Poirier. Those are exciting. Yeah, players. massive. I'd, I'd love to see him and you know, I'd love to see him and Chandler. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be a fucking banger of a fight, man. I mean, if Michael Chandler fights anyone, it's going to be a good fight. I just want to see Volkanovski versus Conor McGregor, just because <laughs> that'd be fucking sick. I don't know if I want it. I think he'd just trash him. I think he would, too. Yeah. trash him. Get Especially him now. I'd like to see him get paid that sort of money. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. he'd just get it there and beat That'd him be up. a huge money fight. I think, but I, I, always, I say this to someone else, I was saying, that Conor McGregor, I think he is the most, like, like the, there's no one in the world more that people want to fight yeah, than yeah. Conor McGregor. Like, everyone in the world wants to fight Conor McGregor. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. seriously. Like, boxing, <laughs> YouTube, MMA. Like, everybody... Like, he must open his DMs about 3,000 <laughs> of everyone wanted to fight him. They go, fuck, man. Dude, love him or hate him. Like, I just... I'm, I like to see people admit that it, this shit is funny. Yeah. Like, it's like, iconic. The things that it's he iconic. says are funny yeah. like, yeah, to it's me, entertaining to me he's an iconic person of like our generation I think he'll never ever be forgotten mm. I think he'll go like he's like an Elvis Presley yeah. in a sense like he's that sort of name that you'll you know kids will be called Connor they'll be more <laughs> you know what I mean I, I walk, walk, please back when I was at the beach up there I seen like I reckon I seen two blokes with that that back tattoo <laughs> The you same, I mean? yeah, yeah. I think Ilya Dupora's even got the same thing. Did Taylor Bednar's as well, yeah. Does he? <laughs> no, he no, I was gonna say, I would, I would Come that. on. that's what I'm saying. He's so iconic of a person. I think, even the way people dress and talk and act, I think he was that influential on the world. He surpassed martial arts. Yeah. He, like I said, he's gonna go down as an Elvis Presley in my yeah. mind, you know. I think it comes down to what he wants now as well. Yeah. Like, I watched the the recent Netflix documentary yeah, they yeah. had on him and yeah, it, it yeah, makes yeah. you soften to him a little bit. Yeah, of course. It yeah. humanizes him in the way that he's still a guy who has to rock up to the training room every day and if he makes mistakes and bad choices, he has to face the consequences mm-hmm. of those choices mm-hmm. when it comes to training, when it comes to performance, mm-hmm. when it comes to mindset and mentality. Yeah. He's not this uh, infallible guy, this indestructible guy. He is yeah. actually quite vulnerable at times and he has to build himself up and pull himself up from those positions um, even if they are self-imposed. Yeah. But um, I think when you talk as much as he talks, a lot of that pressure is going to be self-imposed. Yeah. But if you're funny, yeah, then you're going to keep doing it. But <laughs> another big thing with him that I think people don't see, and I, and I hate when, because I call them civilians, you know, not, <laughs> not, you, know, they, 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 you know, when they say this one, I do it for a million dollars. It's like, yeah, look, yeah. it's cool, man. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm sure Conor, like, even after the McGregor fight, I'm sh- uh, the, the Mayweather fight, I'm sure he, the 100 million was great. But, you know, deep down, if you're really a martial artist, mm. no amount of money is going to make you feel better after a loss. You no. know what I mean? It's going to hurt. So you got to, that's what people also forget when he loses. You know, they rag on this and that. You know, you got to remember, he's got to, he's got to suck that into mm. his heart, man. Open his phone every day to see those pictures, those videos. Everyone on the TV is talking about him getting his ass kicked. You know, so he is a human too, you know what I mean? And that sort of stuff probably, you know, obviously does affect him in a big way. Yeah. But yeah, to me, you know, Conor McGregor, he's iconic, man. I think he's a fucking legend. Dude, so, well, yeah. there's no fucking USADA anymore, so... Yeah. He's, bring him back, man. He's coming. He's bring him dude, back. Vitor Belfort's about to be the fucking welterweight, middleweight, <laughs> light heavyweight and heavyweight yeah, champion. Oh, Silva's coming back too. <laughs> I heard Overeem's coming back to fight a gorilla. Uber, have you fucking... seen him lately? Oh, no, he's like, cut, yeah, he yeah, cut all that. He's a vegan stuff. and stuff yeah. like that. That's what happens, Lee. <laughs> yeah. I, the tournament, Lee actually started eating meat now. <laughs> oh, shit, he wouldn't but, want to tell that I mean, public. He, he can't, yeah, I, want to, I want to make sure everyone hears that. Lee Jenkins eats meat. <laughs> and I bet he's in the best fucking shape yeah, of his life. You know what he does? He's, he's a lot thicker. He reckons he feels a lot better. Yeah. Um, and I said to him, so when are you going to start posting about it? <laughs> He says, what do you mean? I said, well, you, you constantly posted the vegan uh, thing and, and you swore by it. 
Now that you've found your findings, don't you think it's fair to uh, your to your disciples that dude, you let them know what happened? I love how your demeanor changes <laughs> as soon as Lee gets brought up. It's just I good. fucking love him. He was back, he was down the other day. We came down for a wedding. That's good. He was down for a few days. Yeah. I was able to see him and have a laugh. With That's him. good, man. Yeah, he's a good guy, Lee, man. How physical did it get? Like, no, it doesn't anymore because he knows. He knows. He knows. <laughs> He knows who's the real one. He's now. gonna tell. He's gonna fucking comment on this. <laughs> what about the leg kicks, Danny? Yeah. He's a bitch. He knows now. Oh he, he got, he's not the same lead that he used to be. He's not as ultra competitive anymore. He's given up on that. Dude, I remember him uh, when we were sparring, and he landed a body shot on Brando. Like you know, the Lee Jenkins body yeah, shot yeah, that yeah. fucking drops out. Oh, 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 yeah, I've been hit with it a few times. And he landed that body shot on Brando, and Brando made this sound. He just went, and I'm like, oh no, we need to get Lee out of there. <laughs> we need to get him out of there. Yeah. Fucking one minute later, we are cutting him out of there. Yeah, 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 that's what I used to say. I, I tell a few, and they say, "Oh, it's Brando." Like I said, you know, he's a good bloke. I said, but you know, I used to love going to Trinity. You know, walking in the beat, you know, someone with a knee brace on, or <laughs> someone with some stitches in the head, and every single time. Hey bro, what happened? And it was always the same answer. Brando, <laughs> he's just direct. There's everybody. no one you could put in there with three fives. Like former heavyweight champions of the fucking country could I'll, not stand it. There I'll was go. one person, and I'll give them like you did. I was going to say, yeah. you did but, he, but that's because me and him had a mutual respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's you not because I was extra tough. Yeah. He, he respected me, yeah. and, and he left me alone. Yeah. That's why I always love him for that. And the only other guy was PJ. Oh, PJ yeah. Van Guyen, he he was the only other guy willing to stand yeah. in there for three five yeah. minute rounds, yeah, yeah. and Reese Smith as well was one of yeah, those guys. Yeah, yeah. Reese is a tough guy to get in. So I remember, I remember poor Dave DeConti one time sparring with him, and he fucking booted Dave. Remember Dave? I can't remember what happened. He turned and kicked Dave in the back and the oh ass. Do you remember that? And, and Dave, Dave he was just sprawled out on the oh, ground dude. for like twenty minutes. That's so unfair. Fuck, <laughs> man! Nobody got a head around for. But he's a good guy, man. He's a good boy. He's just a, he's a wild man. Being that big and powerful, you know yeah. what I mean? you got to be wild. Well, he's you settling down now. He's settling yeah. down. Well, we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I've jabbed on at you for fucking 45 minutes now. It's been very unfair because I actually wanted to, yeah. <laughs> to give you the chance to talk yeah, about I, your entire experience. And we went off on a tangent about Alaska immediately. Um, so what I'm going to do is in the interest of preserving this segment, I'll tap out on one segment and we'll bring you back for the next one. I'll actually ask you the question that I wanted to ask you. Yeah. So what I actually wanted to talk to you about at the beginning, like 45 minutes ago was kind of just give you an opportunity to take the floor. Obviously it's been a long time since we've seen each other. So we want to do all the catching up, but when you left before it was a very different kind of world that we were living in mm. at that point in time and as you said you know it's been, it was a long time between drinks from one fight to the next um you you were training in an environment that was like very much sink or swim uh it's hard to get a lot of personal coach attention so you were relying on your training partners to really like come around you and that's what it looked like happened but there was the pfl uh, series there was now obviously this fight just tell me from the time you left here what the experience was like to the time you've come back from the first time or from the second no, from from the the last time that you went okay so yeah i mean i flew over one in january wasn't it or was it like this no january i flew out mm-hmm. of here whenever i fought in the pfl um and yeah to now it, yeah, it's just like day and night the mm-hmm. the in terms of my mindset, in terms of my training camp, um, 
I felt like when I went over there for that PFL fight, like I said, I fought in like about two and a half years at that point in time. Um, you know, I went over there and it was like you said, it was Cinco Sumo over there and I felt like a lot of the days I came out of there and like we were saying, I don't know if we said that on the recording, but I would go into training dreading it. I was like, damn, man. Like, as I was getting ready for that PFL fight, I was like, I'm trying with these guys today. I don't want to get hurt. I, I just split my open a few days before I left and got on the plane. So that cam was all over the place. Even when I fought, my head was all over the place. Um, and when I say all over the place, in, I wasn't focused. And, you know, as a fighter, your head doesn't need to be all over the place and the greatest of issues. It could be the thing of, like, I want to forget her. Just as simple as an idea of that can play with your mind. And that was very much my mindset throughout the camp and throughout the fight. And I knew that was the biggest thing I needed to change. I need to get myself out of Adelaide um, and away from everybody. Because when I'm comfortable, I'm, I'm not good. I, I like to be, you know, honestly, the, I, I, I say a piece of shit. That's the only way I like to, <laughs> I, any way I can describe. I'm not good with so many words. Um, but I like to see myself, yeah, as as the lowest of them all, and I've got to work for everything that I get. Where this time I went over, um, I spent a lot of time with my good friend, Chris Osiagos, um, you know, and I trained with him. I believed in a lot of things that he was saying. And he helped me grow so much as a fighter. So now I'm now stepping into the room at Kilcliffe, and I'm looking around thinking, well, who am I going to fuck up today? Who am I going to get my hands on today? Which one of these guys wants to have a shot at it today? Where last camp was, who don't I want to go near today because I don't want to get hurt? Mm. You know, where, you know, that was the mindset this time. And Christos really installed that into me and, you know, made me believe in myself again, along with that Elise, you know what I mean? And, and you know, even yourself, you know, I've got to say myself got smaller and smaller and I, and I love it, you know what I mean? It was, you know, but it was the main core people in my life that believed in me and they're the only ones that I needed, you know? And then I started to believe in myself. And, yeah, to this fight, it was, it brought me back to, you know, the Falang days when I fought last time. And I say to people, you know, I remember this time is exact same as the other Falang fight when me and my opponent stood in front of each other. I looked at him and almost smiled at him and just thought, you shouldn't have come here today. This is a bad idea for you because you're just going to get the fucking, you know, I'm planning to just beat the shit out of you. And, and look, it's one thing to say that now, it's one thing to say it before the fight, but it's another thing to step through a cage door and stand in front of your opponent and, and believe that in yourself. So that was the biggest thing for me, man, was, was I got that belief back. And, and I didn't just get it from overnight because this is when I make sure that all you Instagrammers know that it's not, it wasn't just I started thinking that way. You know, it started from, I moved myself to America. I lived and breathed the sport every single day for seven months. Um, well, you know, I got my elbow surgery, you know, the surgery I got um, fixed up. And, you know, then on top of that, then I started to build my mind. And, yeah, and, and with that all, you know, coming together was is reason why the product was what it was compared to, you know, when I fought in January. Um, it was a very rushed product before. This time we took our time and did it the correct way. And, yeah, I had nothing but, you know, so much self-belief in, in my skills um, and my ability to now the point of where I can only say in front of people and, uh, you know, I, you know, when that USC call comes or that PFL call comes, mate, I'm on that next flight out of here. And I'm not getting on the plane thinking, oh my God, I can't wait, I just got an opportunity. It's, oh my God, I finally got a chance to fight against the best in the world and show everybody in the world who the fuck I am again. Because, you know, I feel like it's it's me reborn again and I just can't wait to, you know, get that opportunity and, and prove to everyone and also prove mainly to myself that, that I am the martial artist that I believe I am. That's amazing, you know? man. Yeah, and I, knew, I obviously I always believed in you. I knew you could achieve those things. Um, but yeah, it always came down to you and what you wanted. And we've had many of conversations 
that have centered around that whole idea. And something I'd like to touch on that I think is really important is, yeah, it didn't just happen like there's the broader overview of the groundwork that you had to put in, but the day to day at Kilcliffe, what did that look like? Like what kind of people were around you? What kind of techniques did you really want to work on? Were there some specific things that you identified as, Hey, I need to get better at this. Yeah. And who were the people who were helping you? I, I, like, like a big thing was me was, was the mental side of it to believe in myself that I do have the ability to compete with these guys. And, and you know, I've got to say, you know, shout out to people like, you know, Chuck, my boxing coach, not only for the boxing skills, but, you know, help me, you know, build that skill set and then have belief in it. You know, good friends over there like uh, Christos, um, you know, Linton, uh, Marquez, you know, these sort of people that are in my life, you know, I'm sure there's more names that are Mickey Gall, you know mm. what I mean? A lot of these guys that are in my life, even to a point of Henry, Henry's not the sort of bloke where he sits you down and has a uh, you know, two, three hour conversation with him. He's a very, very busy man. But he'll come over to you and he'll just say two or three, you know, little words here and there. And, you know, they, they make a huge difference, you know, the coaches like Greg Jones and all that, um, you know, to put their time and effort into me. And, you know, these guys help, you know, they build you. They build you back up. And all they need to do is, like I said, is just, you know, Henry or Greg just have to walk past you and say, hey, man, looking good. And, you know, I know that sounds, you know, <laughs> you know pretty, you know, I guess what you could say, yeah, whatever it is. But, you know, they're massive things because you know the amount of time and the, the little time they have to give to anybody. And to just turn around and even say such a comment to you like that is, you know, was the belief. But definitely, guys, you know, the biggest, I think, drivers for me in terms of my teammates was my, you know, Linton Vassell, you know, Christos Chiagos. These two guys... You know, even after my last fight, you know, I, I, I thought it was all over. I was like, fuck this shit. I'm, I'm shit. I can't fight anymore. And those two guys grabbed me, man. Like, you know, what, Linton was selling number one at uh, Bellator. And, you know, Chris Osiago's been fighting the UFC, fought all over the world. You know, had 31 fights. Now he's fought in Russia, Brazil, fought Gilbert Burns, fought, you know, um, Charles Oliveira. He's fought, you know, some, the who's who. You know, for those guys to grab me and look at you and go, bro, like, what are you talking about? Like, you've got it. Like, what are you talking about? Like, calm down, man. You got the talent. Just tonight wasn't your night. Mm. Um, you know, well, you know, these guys were massive drivers in in this fight. And that's why, to me, you know, like, it, it, they, they mean so much to me, those two, you know. And, 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 you know, I don't see them as just friends anymore. To me, they're just, you know, they're my brothers, you know what I mean? To the point where, you know, Christos is coming here next year and he's staying with me. You know, Linton was actually going to fly over here with me. But unfortunately, you know, he had to pull out of his last fight. There's a bit of issues there, so they're working all that out. But, you know, they're coming to Australia. They know my family. You know, and you're the same. You know, it's like, and, you know, you're, you're you know, we're both ethnic, so we get it. No, but in the sense <laughs> want of, to bring people. Yeah, in. but not only that, it, it's the sense of, like, there's friends and then there's family. You know what I mean? And, and they're very close, but, like, to be a, to consider someone your family, and, like, I, I believe, you know, I'm not going to speak on your behalf, but for me to you, you're like a brother to me. You know what I mean? And we'll always will be. We, we could not see each other for 10 years. I bump into you, it's like I seen you yesterday. You know, and that's the relationship I built with those two guys. And, yeah, they helped me, you know, rebuild me to where I am today. And, you know, I couldn't be more thankful for those two guys in my life, you know. I think that's amazing, man. Like, again, as I say, so much content that these young kids and yeah. people who are trying to do MMA could learn from. Like, a lot of people, I think they figure that they have to or should go it alone mm-hmm. like the journey should be solely their own like they're this lone wolf battle soldier who's going to do every session by themselves i'm going to go here i'm going to go there i'm going to go to this place i'm going to go to that yeah, place uh, and if it doesn't happen it's because of me yeah yeah you know? well i mean you know a lot of the times i think a lot of uh, things is young martial artists is, uh, uh ideas that we either a create or b this is the most thing i've noticed is that non-fighters create on us 
Mm-hmm. You know, me and Brando, we used to have a joke a lot with each other. And it was true. You know, even with my uncles growing up, don't get women, they, you know, they're weak in your knees. You know? <laughs> Everyone knows that saying. But as a fighter and athlete, a lot of people think, oh, I shouldn't go near a woman because they're going to ruin my career. And that's it. Look, I'm not going to, let me just say it. I am engaged, yes. You know, I know should be listening, but women can ruin your life. But remember, the wrong. That's right. That's right. The problem is then you now have the wrong woman. So the woman didn't ruin your life. You ruined your own yeah. life. And you're you, likely fucking yeah, her life up. That's too. right. <laughs> You've only allowed that person into your life who was wrong for you. And that's on you, not on them. And that's where I that, I had that idea. And I'll be honest, when I first met Elise, I was like, I don't want to get off and I don't want to ruin my life. I don't want to you know, ruin my career. But I'll tell you, the biggest driver in my life and the biggest reason why I get up and get out of bed is I want to kick some fucking ass and I want to give Annalise everything she ever needed. Then I want to give my kids everything they ever needed. So what I did was just change that whole entire thought. And, and what that comes from is from non-fighters, from movies like Rocky, mm. that they're going to weaken your knees. And I think the biggest thing to do as a martial artist is to, is to yeah, you know, be, be pliable. Be flexible. And as you grow, you know, like I said, I, I found a woman in my life who actually motivated me. I took myself out of my comfort zone and trusted people that I don't know. You know, and that's a big thing for me as well. And these people have been the biggest assets in my life and mm-hmm. my career. So I think as a fighter and as a martial artist, you've got to realise that martial arts is just like life. Mm-hmm. And it's not for today and it's not for tomorrow, it's forever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So don't ever, don't ever be rigid. Don't ever be stuck in one way. It's, no, I'm going to grow, I'm going to meet, I'm going to have new opportunities. Sometimes I might even completely 360 on myself sometimes. But, you know, be pliable and be open to things. Um, You know, that would probably be my biggest and best advice to any young martial artist is, you know, listen and learn from everybody and at the same time back yourself in it and, and be very pliable. I think the thing that you've done very well over the years is you put yourself in positions to learn from people specifically. Uh, and you've been very clear and defined about that role as well like i see kids like they just i, I use a jiu-jitsu terminology but they just go from open mat to open mat right yeah. they're like they look at all the different clubs they're like oh there's an open mat here there's an open mat here yeah, there's an open yeah. mat here and they're not going there to learn from the coaches mm-hmm. they're just going there to roll yeah. you know what i mean i'm gonna roll 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 and that's how i'm gonna get better and i don't begrudge them that because that's what i was doing when i was their age you know what i mean i was doing the same you, shit this this time back that was one of my biggest things i said to myself so yeah. tony you're not just gonna go to open mats anymore yeah. you're not just gonna go and spy everybody you're gonna find the people that you want to work with yeah and you're gonna go learn from yeah. them and it takes a yeah. bit of time yeah. to come to that realization and some of the advice that i've given is actually you know cross training is quite important mm-hmm. uh, but if you just have a guy doesn't even have to be the coach if you have a guy or a girl whoever it is that you have put in charge of the oversight of your progression then they can consistently see you mm-hmm. like if if you go from one place one day and every five days of the week it's five different places there's not really one person who can see your game mm-hmm. in, in total objectively yeah, saying, yeah. and so they can't really help you that much mm-hmm. like they can help you a little bit yeah. but only to the extent of like what they see on that one mm-hmm. day Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've got someone who's seeing you three times a week and they see how your game is shifting and moving and changing, they mm-hmm. see what your objectives are and what your outcomes are, mm-hmm. like what are you actually trying to do yeah. in your rounds or in your grappling or whatever it might be. Um, and if it's not happening, why isn't it happening? Mm-hmm. Are these new skills that you're acquiring helping you or are they sort of confusing you? Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of so much 
information out there now about you take any given technique you take a triangle there's only 600,000 different ways to do a fucking triangle you know yeah. what I mean but the way that you do it might be 600,001 like yeah, it just yeah, might yeah. be you doing what you know how to do from your perspective mm-hmm. and a good coach or a good like mentor will be able to guide you to that yeah. realization um, but it's also the as I said like martial arts this, this life is very hard so you don't want to have to go it alone if you don't have yeah. to but at the same time with the realization that it is actually hard mm-hmm. you don't just get to do the fun stuff all mm-hmm. the time you don't just get to do the open mats yeah, every yeah. day yeah. and get better actually get better yeah. like your type of structure and routine within your schedule that's one of the most rigid things that you have is mm-hmm. discipline there's a mm-hmm. very big difference between motivation and discipline like i can watch a rocky movie and get fucking motivated you know what i mean but 20 minutes later i'm like oh that donut looks sick <laughs> right? but discipline is not having to watch the movie and not having the donut and getting up and going for the run getting in the sauna getting in the ice bath repeating your recovery yeah. protocols so that you can set yourself up for the best yeah. possible training day that you can and taking the privates whether you want to or not so that you have the backing to then do the next step which is yeah. your own training goals and your own travel goals and mm-hmm. pulling the trigger on opportunities that you have with connections that you've made throughout the industry like this is this is the real stuff yeah. that we don't oh, talk about. Yeah, it's massive, you know what I mean? The amount of stuff and, and, and bullshit that I've been through over the years. And the biggest thing that I say to a lot of people too is martial arts and, and being a fighter is, you know, you are continuously chasing this dream that what you have to realize, it may never, yeah. ever happen. That, and that's the hardest thing, I yeah. think, for a lot of martial arts to swallow that pill, you know. Is, but that's where I, I think I set myself different from everyone is because... Hey, I don't have to do this for, uh, you know, I, I got money, I, I got my top of the house. And, and you know, um, I was just saying, I was on a point that I forgot. Now. You don't have to do That's it. That's the OEMP. You know what I mean? Like I said, you've got to understand that it may never come your way. Everything that you dream of may never come your way. But that doesn't shy me at all because the only reason I ever got into this ball was just to prove that I can fight. Mm-hmm. And I've done that to myself. So everything, and I've said that from the beginning of my career, everything I get is now like is massive. Don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean that I don't want to get signed to the biggest leagues and want to take on the best. But at the end of the day, man, is I've got everything I need out of this sport. I really, I really have. Everything else is now just a bonus for me. And, you know, it's just having a ball and having fun. But at the same time, I think recently, this the last, you know, going over there seven months ago, what it re- reignited in me was that competitiveness in me. Mm-hmm. And you, that was one thing I always touch on with people. I said, Nick Hughes always said it best. So, you know, Tony, man, the one thing that you do best is you compete. And that was my biggest thing. I told myself going into that fight is, that I don't care if you're going to lose this fight. You're going to go out there, you can do your best. The biggest thing is, bro, when that guy walks out of that cage, he's going to look over and think, fuck, man, that guy was a tough motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that, and, that, and that's, how, that's where I started. That's how I wanted to do my uh, martial arts career. And, yeah, that's why I was happy to sort of round it all the way back to there and start again and just realize, Tony, all you got to do is get in that cage and compete, and that's all that matters. And yeah, that, that's why for now, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm itching to fight again. I can't wait to compete again. That's because, awesome, Yeah, I want to compete, you know. Yeah. Like, even I come off this win, a lot of guys will, I'll, I'll hold out for the UFC or something. I was like, yeah, well, whatever, you can do that. But me, I'm going to just get back in there as soon as I can. You know what you should do? Is. is you should just take on the <laughs> Just, <laughs> you, know, know. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm going to say I, I, some I, I, shit. I don't know what you're going to say, but I'm like, here we go. <laughs> you see it in my face. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly He's going on a fucking yeah. t- No, just, just take on The Rock 
1998, like whole personality and ethos, start saying the Spartan hey, did you this, see the Spartan that. I saw, I saw. And did you hear the my way speech? You flung it. Hey, yeah, you I didn't speech? hear. I only got the highlights of it. But this I said on my speech, I think you'll love this one. I said, I was at the mic, and I was like, I don't know what to say. Like, all these people. <laughs> so I just yelled out. He said, my corner would gave me the weirdest look. I was like, if I can change. And if you can change, <laughs> you can all because I kept saying, "This is Alaska." I feel like Rocky Four. Oh like my Rocky. god! And then I think the whole crowd went quiet. And they're like, "Is he with Pac- Is he with um, Palestine or is he with Israel?" <laughs> yeah, because it was a deadly. Then I just yelled out, "That's from Rocky Four, You know what I mean? <laughs> That's but from yeah, Rocky Four. Yeah. Dude, um, just just look up all the old like 1997 yeah. to 2001 rock that, hey, There's no need to look them up. <laughs> they're all in your they're head. Head, They've been played every day because I think you know that hey, that's my that is my persona. I'm an old school guy. I come from the old school, but I'm cool as fuck, and that's all that matters to me. You know, I, I could mean. just see you wearing that like that black turtleneck yeah. with a gold chain. <laughs> The suit pants and the bum bag. You know, I used to love what the look I love to do is um, remember Scott Hall when he used to raise oh the remote? Oh my god, and he used raise to throw the, the toothpick in the kid's face. I used to love that <laughs> shit. I, I want to be like that, but yeah, I mean, you know what? A big thing too is uh, just quickly touching on with brands and that. I've been speaking with you know, I've had a few young lads, re, you know, yeah. from Adelaide that I don't know come up with. I won't mention any names who've come to see me recently, and even over the years, have spoke to me. And this one big thing that I've changed in my mind. And going into this fight is, who gives a fuck about advertising anymore? Because you know the greatest advertisement of all is in martial arts is winning. I said, as long as you fucking win, no one cares how many sponsors you got. No one cares if you're fucking got a photo once with Conor McGregor. If you kick ass, everybody's gonna like it. Because yeah, you can't you know fake I mean? fighting. Man. And, I, and, I learnt, I, and to be honest with you, I learned that a lot from guys like Jack Deller and that. Mm. You know, I watched him in that UFC fight week. You'd never seen him. He was never at the PI. He was, he was never really around. You didn't see him around the hotels. He, he got his own place. Oh, far off. Even when he came there, he got there um, to the room. I don't know. He got obviously a bit later than us. He was on later in the card. Even in the change, he was a very quiet guy. Kept to himself. Even hear him on the mic, he just speaks very direct. Mm-hmm. He's there for one job, one job only, and that's the win. And I've got to say, that was one thing that I, I you know, from going to one and seeing, getting all the glitz and the glamour and seeing it, all, it sort of took me away from that. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, now I've got to go out there and perform and put on a show and say something funny. It's like, yeah, if you get a chance to after, but yeah. the main thing is you've got to win. Because they kind of yeah. push that a little. Yeah, they do, of course. They, they keep it respectful. They don't want you to, they don't necessarily want you to go but, out there and shit talk, but they, but they want you to put it. on yeah, a show. Yeah, they've forced it on people. Yeah. They have, right? Let's be honest. Look at Cody Covington. He gets yeah. everything he wants now because he's selling tickets. Why? Because he told all the Brazilians they're pigs and dogs. <laughs> And then he started, you know, being being away. There's a lot of negative yeah. reinforcement. So the they, thing is, yeah, yeah, that they they've pushed that brand. That's how they've that's how they've developed it. And a lot of fighters lose their way trying to, you know, trying to make a name for themselves or do something funny on the this mic. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. You should just be the yeah, agree, agree. And I will be, I will be. But first, of, yeah, and, but that's already me. Like I said, I'm already bouncing in, looking like I'm from the eighties. Even on my, even all like Christmas, they all laugh at me because I don't know any new movies, I don't know any new songs. Don't tell me about oh, this actor, that actor. I'm like, I don't know. What the fuck you talking about <laughs> they're like you know they tell you there's a running joke I'm it's all about Stallone and it's true so I'm already in that era and I'm going to stay in that era but the first and main thing of all now is, is just winning man that's all I care about is winning that's awesome yeah. man. I, and by any means necessary sledgehammer steel chair <laughs> dude when I realised I was never I was not going to be as tall as Kevin Nash I got I was fucking upset man I'm like I don't want to be like Goldberg and shit like, I don't want to be like Ray Mysterio no. like, even Goldberg he's taller than you bro. 
I'm the shortest guy. No offense, sometimes bro. I went right with you. You ain't Goldberg. Dude, like, fucking, sometimes I think, I, I, to this day, I think I'm bigger than I am. And yeah. I'm not. That's all like, you. Oh, like, five, seven, five, yeah, eight, yeah, maybe. Yeah, Dude, if yeah. my shoes are on. I know. I, I, I always thought I was pretty tall until I went into America. And I was like, dang. Everyone's tall. And that's like, when people come in, like, oh, I see footage of me wrestling with Taylor. Yeah. See, you're tall. Yeah. Like, I know, that's what I'm saying. Me, I'm quite tall. a tall person. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. when I go there, I'm like, damn, I'm small. And then every time we're in, like, a group photo or some shit, and I was like, I'm like, fuck, I'm the smallest yeah. dude every single time. But you got width. Yeah. You know, and I'm a skinny <laughs> ass, you know. Uh, and you're, <laughs> fucking, you're like a fucking barrel, you know. Yeah, let's mean? ask yeah. our better ass, which is... <laughs> Length or width? Which would you prefer? I don't want to put that out. I don't want Mrs. answering that question. Right. Yeah, I'm the sort of bloke she does. Are you in there yet? <laughs> when your junk looks like a Coke can, it's like, oh, fuck. Oh, that. Like, oh, we can see why you're confident, but that's not appealing. Like, that's not appealing. Yeah, that's the tangent we're going yeah, on. exactly. So There's no we, edit button on yeah, the fucking... Yeah. But, you know, to be honest, like I said, back to the thing with all the training and that is, yeah, you know, yeah. and like well, I just wanted to touch on that point you were saying before to be with coach for long periods of time. It does. It's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that was my boxing coach with, with Chuck. This time I spent seven months with him. Yeah. And my striking to me is ten times better than what it was. And even to a guy like Brando... Um, you know what I mean? I, I had the you know chance to you know hang out with him for a bit, and even just the way that he trains now, mm. the way he moves, I was like, damn man, he's a much better, different fighter now. And you can see that because he's been stuck in that that mold for so mm. long. It's like you said, you can't always keep on going to open mats and trying to learn and trying to you know trying to sorry not learn, just wrestle and fight and and you know rock up for one or two days. You need to yeah, you need to. That's why it is important, like we said all the way back at the start, and it's hard. Because when you're new to martial arts, you don't know what's real and what's not. Mm. But, you know, that's where you need to hopefully do your research and speak to the right people and, and land yourself with a good coach and learn from them from the get-go. Because you'll see some way more progression in, in your skills, you know. And I think the other thing is that when you walk into a place and you see not just how the coach is, because from day to day, that person might, you know, they might have a good day, they might have a bad day. Yeah, but I mean, I mean skill set. Yeah, yeah the skill yeah, set yeah. really speaks for yeah. itself. and even down to what they're teaching on that day, mm-hmm. if they can't tell you why yeah. they're teaching that thing, then they probably don't know. Yeah. If they've just watched an instructional, mm-hmm. right, and they're just telling you what they saw yeah. on the instructional, yeah. then you could buy that instructional yeah, too. Exactly. Then, you know, That's one thing I, get... I got. And as well, one thing I like as well in a coach, and you do a real good job of it, is how you link. And it's a constant, you know, like week to week to week to it. It's all, everything adds in, you know, yeah. it all makes... It's all, you know what I mean, parts to a big picture, yeah. you know what I mean? Where I feel like some coaches, you walk in and one day it's like, you're doing a takedown, the next day we're doing an ankle lock, and then the next day we're doing like, you know, a side, you know it's, like, it's all over the oh, shop. And, uh, from a coach's know? perspective, I can see why that would happen. Yeah. It's because it's like the shiny object, right? Yeah, you yeah. want to show the kids yeah. the cool shit mm-hmm. that they That's see. That's what's trending. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, they don't have any context for it. So yeah, I can show you how to do a wedge barambola to beat an outside heel look. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't know what a barambola is, you don't know what a wedge is, you don't know why... <laughs> outside heel hooks are good or bad you don't know how to apply the submission like there's no context for any of the things that you're learning you're just learning a thing so you don't really have a technique it's not really something that you can make a logical addition to and it might not actually be relevant to you anyway and then it's just the coach being self-serving like hey Tony I want to show you this really cool fucking thing I learned so that you think I'm really cool 
You know what I mean? But it doesn't actually help you because there's nothing that's relevant to you. And, and that's what I'm going to say where I was so thankful for like Christos because that's what he's done so well. I mean, not only were we training partners, not only are we friends, but he, he took me under his wing so much and he just broke every move down for me all the time and showed me all the little, like the little tiniest little one percenters that make up the biggest picture of them all. And yeah, he made, he made a massive difference yeah. to this fight, you know, like really yeah. did. He helped me so much, um, you know, and I, that, I'm, that's why I'm so excited to get back yeah. over there. I'm looking forward to seeing what you can, that type of environment is very constructive. Yeah. Because the type of things that he's telling you are experience, it's experience based knowledge. Yeah. Like for example, if I'm going to put together a technical theme or whatever it is, I will watch instructionals. I'll yeah. watch uh, two different people teach a similar thing. But before I ever teach it myself, I'll spend at least, at the very least, two months doing those things yeah. in, in practice. Yeah. So I'll talk about what the techniques are, why people are doing them now, and mm. also what I've learned yeah. from the process of trying to apply them. Yeah. So if this person's giving me this perspective and this other person's giving me this perspective, why do they believe those two different mm -hmm. sides of the coin? Mm -hmm. What is their perspective on their experience? What have they learned from trying to yeah. apply it? And what have I learned from trying to apply it? And that was another good thing, like why I think me and him got along so well was a I'm so open to learning and listening, and b he was actually we were training partners, mm. so he would actually feel all my deficiencies and my strengths, and then go well Tony if you just did this this and yeah. that this way because this is what I feel you doing or I've seen happen to mm. you, bang it changes even Linton what like, Linton watched me one day spar. He gave me a whole bunch of notes. I wrote them down. That's amazing. Uh, we spoke, like, That's awesome. I called him on the phone and we spoke on the phone. He recorded my rounds for me and then we spoke on the phone. I wrote down and just the little, little details that he told me made a huge difference. That's what I was saying before. When guys are the world elite, like uh, the guys we have at Killcliffe, it only needs two or three words. Like Henry needs to only just say two things to you and you'll be like, bang. Like it's a light bulb yeah. idea. I know? knew that yeah. when you started to speak this way, and I saw, I think I saw like a, a few podcasts with you and Mickey and like the people who were around you at the time and they were asking you how you feel about your corner and having this type of support. Mm. And you started to say similar things that you're saying to me right now and I knew you were in a good place. Mm -hmm. I knew you were with people who were actually helping yeah. you on a day-to-day -day I think the, the biggest thing with those guys as well, and I remember because on the podcast and that's what I said it, and it was in that fight is, I just got so much belief in them. And that's the biggest thing I think you need in your coaches is belief. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like when me and you went over to um, Jakarta, you know what I mean? I, you know, I had my brothers in there. I didn't give a fuck what they were going to say. Because, you know, I was like, well, these said I know they're talking about. But you, anything that you said to do, I'm doing it. And I think that's a massive thing for a fighter and a coach is you, you must believe in that person 100%. Because that's the advice you need, you know, when you're in the you know, hardest of times. You know, you might only hear two or three of those words. And that could be the difference in the fight, you know what I mean? It, I mean, Mickey, for instance, in my fight, you know, in, in the in the round break, you know, he calmed me right down. Mm. He gave me some clear, you know, instructions. And, mate, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. honestly, it was awesome. I think at high levels, being calm is super important. That's one of the things that I see yeah. always happen at, like, jiu-jitsu competitions and stuff. The most emotional coaches and crowd happen yeah. for the white belts. Yeah. Because it's all very new yeah, to them. They're not, these so. are amateur athletes. Yeah, yeah. And this might be the first time they've ever competed in anything yeah. that's even vaguely combat related. Mm -hmm. So all their friends are there. They're all young because they're white belts. Mm -hmm. No one's like starting yeah, at yeah. fucking 40. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're all and starting at 18. No showing up for you. <laughs> Dude, and no one's showing up for <laughs> yeah. you. But it's all your mates from your yeah, footy team it. and shit. It's a, it's and if you win it. 
Like, it's it. Oh my god, the fucking you, you go crazy, they go crazy, and dudes who've been doing it for sixty years, they're sitting there going, yeah, fuck it, right, okay, okay. And 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 that is the big difference, I think, between uh, you know the the world elite versus you know, I mean, and it is, you know, it's decision making under you know under tough times. How calm can you stay? Yeah, and that was the biggest thing where the PFL fighters. I yeah. thought like that and then when I when I fought in this fight I was just like the whole time exactly. I'm in there I'm, I, I could see things I was even looking at I remember the, you know looking at his face directly and thinking of things and they were making good decisions the yeah. whole entire time where, yeah what I always say is and I've said this to many fighters is just remember that you've earned your composure mm. there's a reason why you're calm like you, you take that guy I was just talking about who's a white belt who's flipping out making crazy decisions eight to nine years down the track, it's been the pursuit of sort of ironing out that wrinkle yeah, and yeah. through attrition, through confidence, through preparation, through experience, you earn your composure. Mm-hmm. So now when you walk in there, you know all the variables, you know exactly what's going on. You're still feeling the adrenaline, but you're much more in tune with how that's going to mm-hmm. affect you as well. Mm-hmm. So you've earned the right to stand there and be okay. Yeah, yeah. it's funny you say that because it's, it's true. Like you never... You can never really, I guess, beat adrenaline. You never can beat some nerves. Um, but the main thing is when you get in there, like you said, you've, you you say to yourself, well, oh, I'm feeling a bit nervous, but that's mm-hmm. normal. Um, but at the same time, you're gonna say to yourself, oh, no, he's nervous. Yeah. You know, you know, where back in the day, you just had the back. <laughs> oh, bro, I'm like, anyway. Like you think he's sitting at the back having a cigarette, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's doing the same. Yeah, thing. no, you give and, your opponent yeah, fucking superpowers. Yeah, and, 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 and it's like, yeah, fucking yeah. amazing. Man. And then you earn that composure, like you said, to go. Yeah, he's probably he's probably stressing as well, but it doesn't matter. We're just yeah. gonna sit out here and relax. When you you've know? done that crunch time shit, like we always say, Tuesday nights here are like yeah. the hard shit, mm-hmm. like where you we actually we don't red line every single day yeah. you know what I mean but we do mm-hmm. on Tuesday it's just one day yeah. right but we're trying to instill within us that really good decision making under mm-hmm. fatigue and that attrition that comes with it you might you might do six scrambles in like a winner stays in at the end of the night of wrestling night mm-hmm. and you might be on top in that scramble you might be in a ride control and shit and you're in your head you're thinking fuck I hope this guy yeah. quits now because yeah. I'm fucked there's yeah. no there's no way I can do one more I got maybe one more of those yeah. scrambles in me and then I'm going to fold but you don't mm. and then what happens after that is they do hit back they do try and scramble again you do have to try and pin them you have to try and take their back you have to try and choke them and you learn about what the truth of your technique is under that kind of duress and yeah. that type of fatigue. Yeah. So if you fa- are faced with a situation in a competition where you slap hands and the adrenaline's just got you mm-hmm. and you are tired already, like before anything happens, yeah. you're like, fuck, I'm facing off with this dude and I can't fucking breathe. That's okay. Because yeah. you remember those times on the mats where mm-hmm. you've been in similar positions and how you've had to work yeah. through it. And sometimes you even remember the guy. That yeah. you're like, remember that time with the Tony? Yeah. Remember that time I, with Taylor? I, I, always I, was, I was whacked at that yeah. time and I came through. I, I always say that it was always a, uh, you know, the one reason why I was able to have success early in my career was because I used to compete with my brothers in mm. the gym a lot. And there's no other, you know, feeling, you know, more competitiveness than with your brothers. <laughs> yeah. So then when I would get on the match in jiu-jitsu, it was like, yeah, I know this feeling. I've been here heaps of times with my brothers. You know what I mean? So it was, it was comfortable for me. Um, Who wins yeah. now? <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? Hey, Jiu Jitsu, I will say, Diego's pretty good and he can catch me. But he's always off his back. He doesn't want to wrestle. <laughs> and back. I will give him that. So, and, 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 and every now and again, Sam might catch me with some, catch me with a dumb bulldog choke or something. <laughs> 
Fight that, bro. <laughs> there's, there's no. In, like in terms that. of a real life fight, they get fucking oh, laid, laid out both that. on the same day. And my dad did if he wants to come get some of that smoke tea. <laughs> I could just see the most epic triple threat match ever. Oh, just yeah. like you, yeah. you, Diego. Big Joe's a uh, big Joe would be special guest referee. And you know he's you know just, he's counting me out. Dude, he's just referee. letting it all go as well. It's just like you know Sav coming in with a big fucking clothesline from hell from behind, like. But I'd be surprised if Sam just even showed up. That's what I mean. He'd probably be laying in bed. He's being cagey, man. He's, he's late arrival. I mean, but he's still trained, and that's another thing that I guess has helped me drive as well as my brothers as well, mm. my family environment. Um, you know, we come from that that mindset of you know every day is one percent better. You know, and I think we all do like, and we all bounce off each other in that way. Um, like we all like between me, my dad, and my brothers. You know, even Annalise and Julie now, like my dad's girlfriend and Annalise who lives with me too. You know, we just in that environment, we all just eat, you know, super clean, we live super clean, um, you know, we, and we all train, like, mm. all of us train from, you know, from Julie, every day she walks to my, to my, well, my dad doesn't train, actually. <laughs> he's but the only one. He's the only one. Someone's going to be the special best referee. Trained, he's he looks after all of us, yeah. you know, he's the guy that's, you know, he's the guy in the background that's, you know, making sure everything's clean, there's food in the fridges, the bills are getting paid, so he's doing his own part, even to the point where I was training a guy today. Um, he, you know, my missus went out, you know, at least goes out for a run, doing a 5K, and he was super impressed. Like, Did she uh, train as well? Like, yeah, of course, I've run in trains, man. It's an environment, environmental thing. And, uh, you know, another thing is with Christos and that, I was living with him in, in, um, in, uh, in um, Florida, and his wife, and then, you know, she trains as well. She ice baths as well. So does Annalise, so does, and all four of us, we all ice bath together. We all sauna together. We all eat healthy together. And it's, it's a very important thing, you know, to have a good environment around you. You know, good people and bouncing those ideas off. So, you know, it's a credit to my brothers as well. I've also kept at the grind every day. because, you know, they keep me hard, man. Sometimes I blow up at them and I lose my mind. Then I fucking want to smash their faces in. And then I always sit back and I'm like, they do that shit on purpose. And I, and I know they do, and they do it to keep me hard. And you know what I mean? Because some of the times they come at me with the biggest bullshit, and I'm like, why did they do that to me? And I know it's deep down, because they just want to make sure that Tony's not comfortable. <laughs> and I love that. And they're the guys that, you know, they keep me tough, man, and I respect them for it. So um, even the other day, you know, I just started a mindset thing with a mindset coach, and you got to have gratitude, you know, and you know, the, the, I've just started three days in and the first one I think was my dad who abused me and told me to fuck off after I thanked him. The second one was my brother Sad and I said to him, you know, man, I'm thankful for you for keeping me hard, man, you've, and you've always done that with me. He made sure, he's the guy that got me into martial arts and, he, you know, he's a big reason why I stay in the martial arts, you know, so, you know, respect to both those guys. And that's another thing too, you don't have to be the, the guy in every gym and training your ass off. You can just train for yourself and, you know, I still consider you a martial artist because, mm. Martial arts is a lifetime thing, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, well, I've, I've said this before to you on and off the podcast. I've always felt like Sav was a very naturally gifted combat yeah, athlete. Yeah, man. Yeah, we just loved to fight. Yeah. He loved to fight, man. As a kid, we, you know, we couldn't go anywhere and go to any parties because he beat everyone up. Dude, he, like whenever said, he'd grapple, he would do shit technically yeah. that I didn't even know if he's aware yeah, that I, he's I doing. Agree. I agree. But it's he, correct. Yeah, he, he was very good at what he did, you know, and it's unfortunate he didn't take martial arts further, but, you know, when he was doing it, it sounds like we're talking 50 years ago, no, no. but we're not. When he was doing it, there was no such thing yeah. as, as making a career and money and, and travelling the world with it. I always say to people, hey, yeah, I worked hard for everything I got. Don't get me wrong, I fucking bust my ass to get where I am. But man, I just came in at the right time. And I'm very lucky for that. I know that. 
you know, but it doesn't mean that I, I rest on that. I'm like, fuck me, I'll take full advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would have loved to see how far he could have got. Even Diego himself, man, mm. he was a good fighter, good competitor. He fought on Hex. Well. Yeah. He fought on DSC. He had three and fights, you know, two and one, and, and Sab had four fights, he went three and one. And they were both, you know, Diego said, is a great grappler. And Sab, you know, he still does a little bit of it, but who knows how far they could have took it. But, you know, then it goes back to your point that you said before is, you know, and, and there's levels of consistency. Mm. I consistently stay professional every yeah. day to the point of I stay well in like, even after my fight, you know, I mean I've come back from you know, just from Alaska I won a belt, you know, I could go and put on all this weight and sit around and do nothing. Nah, but as soon as I got home from training, you know, my weight's still in check. Because I'm waiting for that call. Every single day. Every single day I look at my phone, I'm just like, That call's gonna come and I know it. When it's fucking come. I'm answering that. It's going to be Vince McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I'll take that sort of money to yeah, fucking yeah, you know, jump yeah. off the top rope every now and again. Fuck, man. I still it. tell people that's what I do. Yeah. Like, I can't be fucked with the conversation. They're like, oh, so what do you, you're, you do wrestling? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah, man. And they're like, so oh, you like still professional wrestling? They you still get that? People don't know. Damn. People well, might know. Like, in Australia, like, in it's Australia for a while. Yeah. yeah. Jiu-jitsu, yeah, like, they might know, but they yeah. still, I feel like if I say jiu-jitsu, they might get it twisted and think I'm wearing a gi and shit. I love it. When you say to people, like, oh yeah, you know, with the wrestling and stuff. Oh, so you do like the the fake stuff? You're like, shut up, dickhead. But now, but now I'm just like, yes, yeah. that's exactly what I do. I fucking come yeah, to one of our shows. Why not? Like, yeah, fuck it, <laughs> Come to one of my shows. Yeah, yeah. What's your move? I do the electric chair. Yeah, I would just do. I would fucking. What would be your move? I have this move. <laughs> Oh, he's got one. Well, Chris has got a sick move. I've got to say, yeah. he does this like sick DDT that he does. Yeah. And he'd be done on me one day. I was like, that's fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I got like, it's, you know, like a gut wrench position. So you could do like a gut wrench. Oh, okay, yeah. Like a gut wrench tilt a well and then a backbreaker Ooh. across your knee. The backbreaker was, oh, I remember me and my brothers used to do that to each other, the backbreaker. You know, he's one I used to love doing, my brothers used to do it to each other, the torture rack. Remember that one? Used to get him Lex on the Luger torture the total package. But yeah. fuck, man, it's a good day, it's a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Even though wrestling's massive now, it's never ever going to be yeah. better than that shit. Nah, never, never. never. He, I mean, that's one thing, me, me and Christos and, and Linton, he's one other one, and Jason Jackson, actually, yeah. shout out to him, who just won the World Tour. Yeah, that's right, Bellator. Um, Massive wrestling fans, yeah. but we love it. We always send each other videos, old school videos, and never will. We'll never ever, once again, iconic. Yeah. Like the rock's iconic, Stone Cold's iconic. You know, I mean, he's that era of DX, you know, Triple H. It's, uh, I think it's a time in life that I believe was the coolest time ever, ever. Now we live, you know, in a world where Kim Kardashian, that fat hose on TV, oh. you know what I mean? Like, bring Stone Cold back. Yeah. I want to fucking see someone flipping off Do you know how good it here. would be if Stone Cold just busted onto the set of Kardashians and fucking oh, cleared dude. the room with well, stunners? I was say, one of the greatest sporting moments of my life was when, when Mike Tyson came to oh Raw and Stone Cold came down and then he's like, yeah, you might be the king over there, but this is my ring. And then he said to him, and if you can't understand what I'm saying, here's some sign language for you. And he gave him the fingers. I was like, bro, that is the greatest thing I've it's ever seen. Off, I watch that all the time. I fucking yeah. love that video. One of my greatest videos. The video that I always watch I'm sure I've talked about this before but I do not care every time I get injured or a little bit hurt or something it's you know when you're 35 it kind of yeah, fucking yeah. happens to you I always watch 
the Triple H comeback vignettes. When he did his quad. Yeah, yes, yes, you've told me. Fuck, dude, I love it so much, I think you sent it to me once. I'm pretty sure you sent it to me. I sent it everywhere. Because I wasn't a huge Triple H fan. But no one was at that time period. Because he was always the bad guy. He was always the dickhead who would like... My brother said he always liked Triple H. He didn't mind him. Um, But me, I was never a big Triple H man. This event made me a Triple H fan. And then when I look back at it, I'm like, oh yeah, he did a a lot of good work and stuff like that. But he, yeah, he destroyed his quad. I think it was wrestling Chris Jericho or yeah. something like that. And he finished the match. And then he was out for ages. And he um, he moved to Connecticut to the facility where they were doing his uh, surgery and reattachment. And, he, you know, this is a guy who his whole career is this. He's not going to be doing anything else. And he spent up to seven to eight hours a day yeah. doing painful rehab. Yeah, yeah. And they were documenting the whole thing. They did all these vignettes yeah. of like Triple H's rehab. Yeah. So every week on Raw, they'd show you him doing like this yeah. hardcore yeah. rehab and shit. And but he's he's obviously juicing madly. Like just get, he came back and he was like eight times as big as he was the last time. His lats, like he, he flew down to the yeah, fucking ring on his huge, lats. He, he was, was massive. But like he came back to Madison Square Garden and before that, he'd only ever been the bad guy. Yeah. Like, no, everyone's booing him out of the building and shit. But they've been showing these vignettes yeah. of this fucking badass coming yeah. back yeah. to wreak havoc on everyone and shit. So his music hits in Madison Square Garden and the fucking place. Is that when he comes out of the chair? No, like, oh, no, no, no. This is still say, before. This is still one. before that yeah. whole the game thing. But this yeah. is kind of what made him. Mm-hmm. Get to that level of star. You have to send me the stuff. I will. Yeah, I'll I send it to you. Yeah, you're getting me because it fucking it, it gives me chills yeah. every single time. Like this that. dude pulled himself back from the dirt yeah. eight hours a day of rehab, and the whole crowd acknowledged it. Mm-hmm. Like on because everyone had booed him before that, and he came back, and the whole Madison Square Garden yeah, yeah. goes up and are cheering him, yeah. and he's fucking fighting back tears as yeah, he's yeah. walking down yeah. just to cut a promo. I know those guys. They they did it different, man. Mm-hmm. You know, then you think about it, like, damn, man, we watched these massive juice monkeys and, <laughs> and jocks fight each other, and we were so emotionally in yeah. and never at one point in time did we think it was gay. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? I find that very weird. We were such, like, you know, we love watching yeah. these big, muscly men in jocks fight, and we love that we scream for it. Then you think, as you get older, like, damn, they were like, but I don't care. I still fucking loved it. I still admire all those guys. I love the, you know, I don't like him now. I hate him, Dwayne Johnson. I think he would spit on him if I seen him. But The Rock, I fucking love yeah, him. The Rock. You know, Stone Cold, love him. You know, Triple H, you know, all that. I mean, there's a list and list that goes on for But those are the guys that I looked up to. It's and, funny, know, like, we draw inspiration from different sources. Yeah. And I remember going to school every day, and I was one of those guys. Yeah. Like, that's who I was. And yeah. it made me, it sort of instilled within me, like, this idea of being the champion. Yeah. Because the way they sold it to you was like, this is the one person. Yeah. This is the guy. Yeah, but I mean, even, even, I mean, just speaking, even from just the point of view of, like, how we live our lives, so like we said before, Kardashians and all that, these, these are the people that the world promotes now. Yeah. And, like, back in the day, I think we were all so, like, men, like, we, we loved seeing the biggest and the strongest and the toughest people. They're the people that we looked up to and admired. Now you fucking, you know, you have the blokes that, you know, they're turning into women. Like, you know, it's a wild thing. I know it's a whole other separate saga. But back to what you're saying about me taking on the persona of The Rock, is that's why I never, I, I, I don't feel like I need to take on that persona. Because I stayed there. I grew up, I, I want to be a hero. 
Yes, you know that people say to you, stop being such a hero. I, I don't understand how that's a payout. I want to be the action hero. I want to be the guy everyone looks at. I want to be, you know, the guy that saves the day. Yeah, that's, that's who I grew up watching. That's who I grew up admiring. And I, I want to be that person. I want to be the manliest man I can be. Like, yeah, you know. If you look at it throughout all of history, like Muhammad Ali being the world heavyweight champion and stuff like that, standing up for something more than boxing. Mm-hmm. But the, you know, it used to be that the world heavyweight champion boxer was the baddest man yeah yeah and like regardless of whether they were academically gifted or not mm-hmm. how well spoken they were what year they you know dropped out of high school what they've done in their life outside of that do they have a business they didn't no they didn't they were the world heavyweight champion and they were on a level of fame that mm-hmm. was completely separate and different to like anyone in hollywood or anything yeah. like that because they not only were they seen as like the best fighter but potentially the most legitimate yeah yeah of all of the people. So I think the fundamental shift that happened was the reason why people respected them so much is because it's the pinnacle of skill. Yeah. So humans, especially athletes and sporting humans, we really revere skills mm-hmm. and people who've worked hard to improve and attain a better skill set. Like mm-hmm. if you, I know you'd probably be the same. If we had nothing else to watch on TV and it was just some random fucking sport like mm-hmm. archery or some shit like that, we'd probably be able to sit down and watch it. Because we're like, oh, that looks like it would take yeah. a lot of skill to do. Mm-hmm. And you'd end up getting into it and being like, fucking arm wrestling is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this kind of shit. Because it takes skill to do. But that isn't the case. We don't equate uh, high-level skill sets with high-level success mm-hmm. or even high-level humans now. Yeah. Like they don't have to be good at I anything. Think, I think back to what I said all the way back then is what you're saying is, I don't know if, if I'm right saying this, but that's why I think we shifted where we went from Oh, he's the best because he's the best to where, well, he's the best, but this guy's actually worth $10 million yeah, more. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was like how much, Conor McGregor, I think mainly people always remember him for the money he made, mm-hmm. not the, the the champion that he was. You know, and when I say that more, I think the more the civilians. Mm-hmm. That's how they know Conor McGregor because of the money, because of the trash talk. Mm-hmm. It's like, but, Conor actually was a really, really good fighter. That, that's how he made his name. Mm. You know, that's how I remember him. I remember when he chinned, you know, uh, Eddie Alvarez, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. There's, I remember when he, I never forget when I sat down watching uh, Knockout Jose Aldo. That was, I just thought there was no way in hell he could do that. That was like the biggest yeah. moment in MMA. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So I think going from the days of, oh, you're just the best because you're the best, to, well, you're the best, but that guy over there, he's worth more than you. No, that's what I mean I think we now and therefore he's going to get more opportunities yeah. than you but I'm just saying we just live in a world now of yeah where people just equivalent everything of success comes down to money like it's, it depends on how much money you make you know what I mean like and I, I don't see it that way anymore you know, yeah. you know? it's also perceived fame yeah. as well like you can make yourself look more famous and successful than you are yeah. and therefore that might garner you more attention and or opportunities yeah. but people people grab at fame in really negative and yeah. odd ways, yeah. man. Like, yeah. Because the blueprint is there for them to do that yeah. and then potentially gain something more. People yeah. gamble with that shit every yeah. day, man. People gamble with their um, with their value and their worth every single day on fucking TikTok. Yeah. Like, you can make yourself look like a complete fuckwit because you figured that was your like, yeah. business blueprint. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's one thing that, that, like, with what we were saying before, is like you just said then, like, people will yeah, sell themselves out in a way just to be famous. It's like, you know, that's why it's a deal all the way back at the start. It's like, I don't know, what, what mark did you leave on this world? I don't care if no one ever remembers me, but the few people that do remember me for the good things and the, and the greatness that I could bring on this world. You know, I don't want to be remembered because, oh, 
I got my cock out on fans only. You know what I mean? Like I would do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what I mean? I just think that's where the world in the way took a turn. It was like, it's okay if you yeah. make a money thing. Oh, man, that's yeah. become super mainstream. Yeah. Uh, super I don't mainstream. like that. And I don't like how the world's become it's, yeah, it's just all about cash. Well, I, th- I think you're right in that way. I mean, it, obviously, it's a broader conversation. But it, if you tried to reverse engineer that, like, what was it that opened the door for that to be a viable thing? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That you could make money from. You could really try and zero in and analyze yeah. that and I think you'd come up with some answers that are not very yeah. do you know what's going on right now man with UFOs are fucking real I mean that's what they've been telling but me the, but this is what but I'm, I'm saying man like, yeah. no one fucking yeah. cares yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly they're like, like, because they're all yeah. they're all on OnlyFans yeah. you know what I mean they're it all is, fucking watching true. you know what I mean like yeah I mean we won't dive too deep into it we'll be here for many more <laughs> but it's true like the, the people that have been talking all these conspiracies for years a lot of this stuff is coming to the forefront mm. now where it's like, um, I think it's true. Yeah. Like, hey, I'll be real with you. When Mr. Jenkins used to tell me about the pedophile <laughs> rings, I used to think, shut up, dickhead. And mm. then I was like, I just had to travel the world and see, yeah. you know, I was like, oh, damn, actually, maybe they are true. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think we created... No one, and yeah, no one cares. No one cares. I mean, we've created yeah. that environment I mean, here's a good one for you, even look at with COVID. Yeah, yeah like the, the government fucked people over. Yeah. Fuck in, them over. In every and, country yeah. of the world, and no one, simultaneous. Yeah, yeah. And no one is saying anything about it. No one's bringing it up anymore. It's, it's just dead in the water. Depends who yeah. you're listening to. Yeah. But you're right. Agreed. It is dead yeah, in the yeah. water. Like yeah. there's COVID, many, many COVID cases right yeah. now in South Australia, but we're all... I mean, I just don't understand why... We, I mean, I, I take it from the point of view, I think that just, they flat out lied to everybody and we're, yeah. and we're yet to bring them to the forefront Again, for it. reverse yeah. engineer it. Why did they do that? People yeah. are easier to control when they're afraid. Yeah. So they wanted to make us all very, very afraid and yeah. make not so well-informed decisions. Yeah. And we all fucking did that. And, and even if you, yeah, even if you did make good decisions in that time period, yeah. people probably still won't acknowledge it yeah. as them being good decisions. Like whether you got the vaccine for this reason or didn't get the vaccine yeah. for this reason, guess what? You're wrong both yeah. ways. Yeah, that, that's, not, that's another weird thing. I mean, there's a lot of yeah, issues going, I think, on the world, but that's another weird thing is we no longer live in a world where we want to know the truth, we just want to be right. Yeah. You know, I just want to walk away from an argument knowing that I won that argument. Not that I was, uh, the truth came out, it's just that <laughs> I won. It's like, nah, but what? We should seek the truth. And together as humans, we should want to know the truth and, and build together. And that is what yeah. martial arts does yes. every single yes. day. And that's why you I, can't fake fighting. You yes. can't fake it. And that's why I love martial arts, yeah. man, to the end. Because yeah, that's what I always said. Any, like, anyone in another sport, I say, look, in your sport, the coach can pick you over them and be, but, but. I said, the greatest thing about fighting is if you think you're better than someone, go, dickhead, me and you, let's go do it right now. You know, so, yeah, you know. I'll be like, look, man, I will. I just need about yeah. half hour, 45 minute warm up. And, and that's then. beautiful. Then you, then you win the fight without even breaking a sweat. You know what I mean? And they're like, I'm not waiting yeah. for this. Like, yeah, cool, that's on you. I said, I will do it. But, I just yeah. need a warm up. <laughs> Imagine if the lion in the jungle was like, yeah, just fucking, yeah, just yeah. give me 10 minutes. But that's why, yeah, you know, back to your thing is martial arts is as real as it gets. And that's one thing I to a lot of people is I think I love martial arts so much because martial arts is life every day you know what I mean it's in a way it's you know you can have you, you know you get your ass beat one day and then you can be the champion the next day that's life you can wake up one day and you know make some horrible bad decisions and you know cheat on your wife whatever think your life's over and then you know two three years down the track you'll find yourself a, you know, a new wife and have more you know have a few kids and uh, live a great life do you know what I mean and that's with fighting you know because sometimes it looks bleak and it looks like it's almost over you know even my last PFL fight it was 
you know, damn, this shit might be over. Now I'm looking at it going, damn, man, I'm back, you know. So that's one thing that I, I always try and compare martial arts and life together because, you know, martial arts teaches you so much and it teaches you so much so fast, you know. And it, you know, so that's why I love love it so much and yeah. I keep on doing it. Ah, oh, the metamorphosis is happening, man. You're going from the student and starting to become the teacher. Ah, oh, I don't know about that. Maybe one day, you know, you know and, and I don't know what you're saying there, but, you know, at the same time, I think I'm at an age now. I've been doing it for... Nearly 15 years now, you know, I'm 32 years old, you know, like even even the other day I sat down and spoke with a promoter and that was having a chat and I was a, and I said to him straight off the bat, I was like, look man, I'm, I'm a far different person than I was many years ago, you know, so, and he did even say it to me then, he's like, yeah, you're, you're very different the way that you talk and the way you see things, you know, because you grow, you grow as a person, same with and martial arts really helped me do that, to be humble, to be confident, um, you know, to do a lot of things and, you know, it's paid so many dividends in my life now. So, yeah. I think when people look back at what you've done and, you know, I've gotten super frustrated on your behalf many, many times and you've always been very diplomatic and very cool about it. But I think when people look back at what you've actually done, uh, you know, we say words like pioneer, words like veteran, like people mm. paved the way, people did this, people did that. You actually have. You've been the first to do a great deal of mm. many things in terms of being an MMA athlete from the state of South Australia. Mm. And not only have you achieved those things internationally, you've always, always come back mm. and contributed to the South Australian community yeah. in turn, whether it be your immediate family, the community at large, the notoriety and legitimacy of the South Australian skill set mm. that, you know, that you've helped to broaden. People ask you to come in and teach at their academy because they want you there. They want that knowledge. Can I just say quickly, there's one thing that always disappoints me about Adelaide. There's not many people asking me to come well, and teach. Well, this, this is yeah. what I'm alluding to. I'll say to. that and I know you say that not because I feel offended because I'm like, why would you not well, use me up? This is what I've yeah. been frustrated about is that I still to this day feel like not... Not that you haven't got the respect that you deserve, but people haven't acknowledged or understood the extent of the experience that you've had mm -hmm. and the path that you've walked. I think yeah. people like to acknowledge it. And again, it comes down to that bubble world. If you didn't train at their academy, if you weren't from their gym, then you're no one. Right? Yeah. But what you've done is amazing. Yeah. in its own right. And I've yeah. always looked at it like that. And I'm hoping yeah. that one day, like as you say, that, that Spartan HQ will sit there at, in fucking Elizabeth yeah. and Salisbury yeah. and it'll be a hub for people to go and train and people yeah. will really understand what you've actually done. Yeah, and then you know what, to be honest with you, you know, because it's hard to say it myself because it sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, but I, I don't think, well, I hope, the way it is now, I don't think it would happen because people in, in Australia and Adelaide seem to look away when someone's doing well. But, you know, be... You know what I mean? With all that, you know what I mean? Like like you said, it's, it's you got to understand that, you know, I don't see myself as learn from me because I'm the best. I'm just saying, hey, guys, I, want, like, I didn't just watch a tutorial. I was the guy standing with yeah. those guys who make the tutorials and I was learning from them and I was taking all those ideas on. Like I said, the UFC fight week, I was keeping an eye on what Jack, Jack was doing. And I was there learning. I'm constantly learning and learning and picking up as many tips. Even from the UFC, they helped the guys rehydrate and all that. I was taking photos of everything. I was taking videos of everything. Because I'm learning. Because honestly, deep down, I want to come back here, whether it's here or wherever I end up. And I want to teach as much yeah. as I can. And it's not, yeah, it's more I, so from experience. I think experience. you'd be surprised yeah. at how many people champion you. Like yeah. when Alan Hartley opened up CCMA. Yeah. That network of guys that really believed in Alan Hartley, me being one yeah. of them, we really pushed that mm -hmm. academy. I have my own academy. Yeah. 
I'm going to push yeah. Alan because I believe yeah. him. And that's right? it. It's gonna... And guys like Lachlan Conway and Declan and M16, they did that for me yeah. when I opened up Mapper. Yeah. They really pushed yeah, me. Yeah, no, no. I see all you guys are doing. I believe you guys together are, are that shining light. You know what I mean? And together, you know, hopefully we can change that mentality and that way of, way of thinking with people. And, you know, hopefully... I'm sure know, it yeah. would happen for that's you it. too, man. Yeah. I'm hey, sure if you we'll said, oh, I'm going to open up this academy, we would all jump at it and be like... If you want to do MMA I know you in got the state of South <laughs> Australia, you need to go and see this guy. Yeah. I will see. We'll, we'll leave that for the future. Me, I like to live in the now. I'll we'll worry about that when it comes. Hey, that might kill me by then. <laughs> the UFOs I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we'll see. We'll oh. see. But hopefully one day, but like I said, man, I'm out there learning as much information as I can and uh, grabbing as much as I can, man, because, you know, I hope one day that this city does have plenty of fighters out of here. I'm not the only guy that everyone's leaning on to hurry up and get to the next big show. Even even watching Shane Mitchell fight, man, on PFL, man. I think a lot of people would have, you know, half been like, oh, I'll bet you're Tony Spewell. No, I'm like, bro, I watched that fight. I was so excited for the guy. I watched both his fights. And, you know, I was cheering him on. I hope he did a really good job. You know, but it's hard out there, it's man. Hard. It's, it's hard. a very hard world and out the there. the only way we're going to make those results more favourable for us, for these guys who training right out of South Australia mm. is to make South Australia better as a unit. Yeah, yeah. And the only way we do that is pop the bubbles and collaborate for the best yeah, of our ability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 100%, man, for sure. Well, I'm sure you've got 20 missed calls from Annalise. Uh, so on your phone. Yeah, yeah, like, so where are you? You can blame me, it's yeah, fine. No, 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 <laughs> You're locked away in the back room at the mat lab <laughs> amongst all of my high-tech podcasting machinery. Yeah, I, do, I, I, I love the podcast. I like, you got, it looks so, you know, you've gone for the industrial look. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the lost and found box. Hey, like, <laughs> I'll tell you what looks better than my house. Tell you that, mate. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for coming in hey, today. Man. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate it from just a person-to-person level as well. We, we're both busy. We both got this, that, and the other to do. But the fact that you drove down here and found some time for me and just to catch up and chat yeah, has been a pleasure. Man. Thank you so much. Anyone else you want to thank or anything you want oh, to sign man. off with? No, nah, no, nah, you know what I mean? Everyone who needs to be thanked, they know who they are. Um, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just thankful that I get to sit and spend an hour or so with you. You know what I mean, Nick? You know, you're, you're a great guy. I can't speak highly enough of you. Um, and your ability is not as a coach, but as a friend, as a person. Um, yeah, you know what I mean? So, guys listening to this to yourself down the mat lad and train no but seriously get down here and train with them you know that's another thing too like I said I've said so many times throughout the podcast is make sure you train with legitimate guys I've been all over the world training with the best guys and yeah Nick uses legitimate you know what I mean that's why when I'm in Adelaide I train with him and, and his team you know what I mean I believe in his skills and that's why you know you stood in my corner and stuff many times because I believe in you as a friend as a coach and yeah guys just Keep on doing your thing. Thank you so much, man. And I'll be looking forward to coming and training with you at Spartan HQ. Guys, stay tuned. We'll be back. Same bad time, same bad channel for all the bad fans out there.